Hello, and welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable, the podcast where I grab my friends by the face and use their bodies to break down the gates of the gatekeepers of my favorite fandoms. I, of course, am Captain Bootscoot, a.k.a. Vanilla Husband, a.k.a. your host, Jesse. Now, with me this week, I am very very proud to say, is a longtime, very good friend of mine. He's got his own podcast, and I can't do this show without him. His name is Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. How are you doing this week, my friend? I'm doing good. It's been a good week for podcasting. Especially if you're podcasting with us. I mean, I'm sure it's been a good podcasting week for other people, too. But specifically here at the Twist My Arm Network, speaking of... We do also have to introduce you to somebody that you've met before, the head of the Twist My Arm Network and the host of the Twist My Arm podcast, my very longtime friend, Josh. Josh, welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable. How are you doing this week? I am so good. I'm so good to be back and doing this. Uh, That's all I got. I mean, dang, it's been a long time since I've uh, been here. I feel like I've missed a lot of stuff, and I'm just so freaking ready to get back into it speaking of it there is a lot of it to get into now normally with sudden but inevitable i make you guys as i mentioned just now watch something you've never seen before that i love that i want to make you love but this time around that's not the case right now we're watching movies and it's kind of like this weird fair game season now because i you know I can't just be handing out movies for you guys to watch all the time. I mean, I could, but I don't know if everybody wants that. Speaking of everybody, hello to everybody in the chat. Hello, Callie. Good morning. Thank you for being here with us. Whoop, whoop. Welcome back, Josh. Good morning. Good morning. The last person that we have to introduce to you this week is somebody that you know if you've ever been to Sudden But Inevitable before. And if you haven't, you will get to know this person, and I'm pretty sure you're going to love him just as much as we do. I, of course, am talking about my very good friend and wonderful podcast host extraordinaire, Cameron Harrison of the Green Shirt Podcast, a newbie's trek through the next generation. Cameron, if you wouldn't mind doing me a favor, my friend, tell me how you're doing, and then explain what we're watching and why we're watching it. I guess I do have an on switch. Okay. (laughs) Well... I'm doing uh, quite fantastic. Thank you so much for inviting me here to your uh, little bonus season of movies. And I am excited to, uh, yes, take the opportunity to share something I love with you guys, at least half of you guys, for the, for the first time. Oh, that's true. Josh has, well, as far as I'm aware, Josh, you have seen this before, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So <laughs> Ricky D from Best Flicks. With Ricky D and I have never seen this movie before, which is called Slither. Now, well, does that mean we need to move us to the top and you to the bottom? I, if, oh, if you would like, you can do that. I know that those Whoa. sorts of things mean a lot to you. So, uh, really quickly, <laughs> I want to say hello to Rona in the chat. She is here with us as well as always. So, thank you for being here, Rona. Uh, yes, we are watching Slither this week, ladies and gentlemen, and Themperers in the chat in listening in podcast land. If you if you haven't seen Slither before, go watch it right now. Uh, it's available in the United States, at least, on a streaming service called Peacock. Um, it's it's Wait. free. Um, go ahead, Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Did Cameron also have a hand in choosing uh, the last movie we did? I've already blocked the name of it. Space Sweepers? No. Uh, no, before that. I'm sorry. Highlander? Oh, you're talking about Highlander. Highlander. Thank you. Yes, no. Highlander. Did How can Cameron you not choose forget? Highlander? What? 
No, he didn't help choose Highlander. Uh, I chose okay. Highlander of my own volition, and Cameron wished that he could have been there, but he was unavailable. So okay, that's probably what I, you're remembering. Yeah, I was I'm there just, in spirit. I have a, a vendetta against these people trying to make me watch Peacock. I, I've oh, maxed out on my streaming services. I prefer <laughs> to ignore Peacock. It's literally free, so <laughs> it's of no detriment to you, but I, I smell what you're stepping in, and I appreciate where you're coming from. On that note, Peacock really messed with me watching this movie because I'd be watching it, and then there'd be some like serious commercial that I thought was part of the movie and then <laughs> found out that it was not. Um, it was really jarring. I mean... Obviously, like the State Farm commercials were pretty so easy to, to spot, but like those random commercials, I, you I were thinking I remember, but... that there was some kind of like uh, WandaVision style in universe commercial happening in the I movie know, that was just, like. I mean, it happened. You just wondered why <laughs> the characters had such gas problems and kept talking about their <laughs> gas problems so much. No, it was just like the, the, the first one I saw was like the first commercial break in there. I was like, wait. This is weird to be a part of this movie. Like, what's happening right now? They're like in the store. <laughs> I'll be honest. When, when I watched Highlander on Peacock for the podcast, Sudden But Inevitable, which you can go listen to on any podcast service. Hey, yo. I, I got I didn't get a commercial. Like there was a commercial before the movie and then straight through. And I was like, yes, I love this. And actually, that happened to me twice because I've seen it twice on Peacock. This commercial, this movie, there was one commercial at the start, and then the movie started, and then there was one commercial like 15 minutes in, and then no more commercials. Now I've got it pulled up on my television to help me pick my shot of the show, and there are like six commercial breaks on the pause bar when I look at it. So, and they're all in the first half of the movie, right? The second half of yeah. the movie, yeah, you can watch. Yep, Which I've experienced the exact same thing. Because this movie has like very specific like fade to black moments, which would be perfect for a commercial break, but. It didn't look like they lined up at all. It they didn't even try. And it would be perfect for a commercial break if they had, yeah, like you said, There is there literally no algorithm that goes, just find a black screen and then do a commercial? Like, <laughs> No, they'll do it right in the middle um, of dialogue. They'll be talking and then mm. bloop, commercial. Well, that's why I ordered my copy on Amazon and watched the DVD. Yeah. I, well, so you really know what, quickly, Cameron? Spo- <laughs> I mean, some of us uh, actually love cinema we and want ma- to support it. And <clears throat> I'm out, guys. He's like... speaking, Josh. He's just speaking Ricky D. That's all he's oh, doing. Oh, right, right. You so stop hanging out. So let's <laughs> let's let's just say this really quickly up front. I plan to buy this movie physically. I would like to own this. I'd like to have it in my collection. Now, that having been said, do Ricky unspeakable D, things to the disc. And I, <laughs> Ricky D, and I have never seen this movie before. Josh, I know, has seen this movie. When I told him we were watching it, he was very excited. Cameron, as I'm the good. impetus, as the the standard bearer for Slither, what was it about Slither that made you go, okay, I have to share this with the Sudden But Inevitable crew Sure. because I, okay, full disclosure, let me just say this really quickly. I said, Cameron, we're doing a movie season. Cameron said, cool, let's watch Slither. I was like, cool, totally, let's do that. And then a couple of weeks, maybe a month after that, I went, Cameron, we're doing a movie season. Why don't you want to do a movie? I Didn't I ask you? And he was like, I mean, I said Slither. And I was like, <laughs> Yes, you That's did. how resistant Let's Jesse was Slither. to this. I, it wasn't that I was resistant. I literally forgot about it. So I, But I felt the need to be 100% honest about that because you guys know what happens when you're not honest around Ricky Grumpy Fish D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. So, Cameron, if you wouldn't mind, my friend, enlighten us. 
Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, you guys may remember this little TV show you did a uh, ways back, uh, Firefly, I think it's called. Yes. And there's an actor who appears in that show. His name is Nathan Fillion. I remember and him. I th- I think it was during that season I I found out one way or another that you, at least Jesse, had not seen Slither. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. It stars the this char- this actor that you like a lot, basically playing the same character in some ways. I'll dive more into that later. But so I was a little surprised. And then as we our, our relationship grew, we talked about James Gunn quite a bit uh, with our discussions and debates revolving around Guardians of the Galaxy and the Suicide Squad. And I came to realize that he hadn't seen anything before James Gunn's Marvel career. And I I felt even though he is what he might call horror resistant, it might be worth showing him a film like Slither. I think that it was uh, a good call because I am definitely horror resistant. Now, that doesn't mean that I've never seen a horror movie and it doesn't mean that I have no, I guess, spectrum of taste when it comes to horror. Uh, That having been said, usually don't like gore. Um, I don't like uh, an overuse of blood. You know, that's this, that, and the other thing. I'm generally kind of squeamish. But... How does Joanna feel about that? She... Well, so my my lovely, long-suffering wife is actually more of a slasher fan than she is a, like, horror fan. Okay, and that that makes total sense. Because I can watch slasher movies, like, all day, but... Yeah, and I, I really can't. I can watch um, a select few of the Halloween movies, and I like the Scream movies because they're very self-referential and they make fun of themselves in a way that I appreciate. Um, but in general, I mean, like, just violence, right? Like, oh, the violence in this movie. Um, <laughs> but I, that having been said, I've seen, for example, Event Horizon, which is very violent, and mm. though... It disturbed me to a great deal. I recognize that it was a good movie, and I, looking back on it, I'm glad that I saw it, but I'm, you know, I probably wouldn't watch it again anytime soon. Maybe. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Possibility. release the Anderson cut. Just just putting it out there. Now- I saw that movie on a whim, and I was blown away by it. I was like, wow, okay, cool. (laughs) I think if there's one thing other than the- Nickname Ricky Anti Marvel D from Best Flicks with Ricky D that we have established on this show before. It's that have you ever watched the Marvel Can of Madness podcast, Ricky? Uh, I've watched a little bit. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's his way of saying I've never downloaded an episode to my phone, like for any reason at all, like even to help with the downloads. Yeah, that's so- um, but. <laughs> But the other thing we established along the way is that Josh only watches movies on a whim. So for Josh to say, I saw Event Horizon on a whim, it's not that surprising. You're right. You're absolutely right. (laughs) That's just kind of what you do. That's how you watch movies. I I pick Um, things. I don't do the Netflix scroll. I I dedicate my two hours to something that I've never seen. And And then you play video games while it's on. I do, actually. Uh, I'm almost done with Metroid Dread. Wonderful. We will get there. We'll get there. Okay. Now, we have some wonderful comments in the chat that I would like to point out. Josh, my friend, the producer behind the glass, if you wouldn't mind highlighting these comments. Callie says, same, though. I appreciate what people like about horror slasher films, but personally, I prefer them being far, far away from me. Thank you. Um, Can you highlight the next one, too? Because I like that one. Ha ha. Ricky's face of, oh, we're going there, are we? Yes. Uh, This is my favorite part of having a live show, you guys, is that. We get away with basically nothing. Uh, I have to remember people can see my face. So speaking Ooh. of faces, 
that people can see. Ricky D, before we jump into this movie, but okay, really quickly, before we jump into this movie proper, Cameron, before we get a synopsis of this movie, is there anything else you feel like you have to say about Slither? And then we'll go to Josh. <laughs> okay. I mean, I just want to ask you guys, since this is an introduction, um, and since you are uh, perhaps a little horror, not resilient, resistant, um, and because of maybe your preconceived notions of James Gunn from the superhero uh, Milu that you know him from, I mean, what were your expectations going into this movie? What what did you think I was subjecting you to, and how did it compare to what you saw? Both Both you and Ricky can... Step up to the mic for this. Actually, could I ask Ricky to go first? Because, Ricky, I don't know. Have you seen a James Gunn movie before? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. You have you seen that? Guardians of the Galaxy. I did. <laughs> I like the little raccoon. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> the trash panda. So, yeah, Ricky D is essentially if, like, a mobster uncle was watching a Disney film with you, he would go, eh, I like the little raccoon. You know, it's a cute film. <laughs> that was some jokes in there. Stupid, it was fine. For my stupid kids, yeah. Um... So, so Ricky, go ahead. Then I, I just wanted to establish that. So what were your expectations yeah. with this uh, movie? I kind of went into it rolling my eyes. I was expecting just kind of a bad teenage horror movie. I was in a kind of defensive posture for the first 30 minutes, maybe first 40 minutes. Uh, but I eventually did kind of relax a little bit. I let myself watch it. And especially looking back on it last night, today, I was like, I think I really enjoyed that. There was a lot to enjoy about that. There, It wasn't a great cinematic masterpiece, but it had a lot to enjoy. I can agree with some of that. Uh, so, like, I, I had resistance to the movie going into it where I was like, I wouldn't say that I was rolling my eyes or crossing my arms. I feel like that's just how you, again, that's just how you watch movies, just like how... Josh watches movies on a whim with like almost no like uh criteria. I go into movies Not in a mean way. saying I'd rather yeah. be watching the Sopranos. Well, see, I like right. to watch movies with a clear like I haven't looked at the, right. the exactly. ratings, I haven't looked at any reviews. Exactly. I like to make my own opinion. That's what I was trying some to say. People in this room that just the, go based the way off that I meter and uh critics scores. Thank you. The way that the way that I said it definitely came across as condescending. But what I was trying to say was that Josh goes into these things with a much more open mind, I feel, than Ricky. But I didn't want <laughs> Ricky D to feel attacked, of course. Um, but to the point of not knowing how I felt about the movie, I mean, I because I had never seen it before, my expectations were, okay, I know Cameron. I have been on Green Shirt and Newbies Trek through the next generation. We've talked about... Uh, you Me know, too. story structure and, you know, episodic storytelling and, you know, paying off foreshadowing and things like that. I know that Cameron looks at things with a directorial lens. He's, you know, made movies before. He's got more analytical eye than I do when he watches movies. So if he's going to recommend something to me, it's probably something that he thinks is just at a certain tier of quality or higher. Um, I feel like Cameron isn't the same way that I am, which is, I know this movie is under a certain tier and that's why I'm making you guys watch it. Cameron is like, this is what I, you know, I, I respect the hell out of this kind of movie. So I'm going to have you watch it. Um, Josh, when you found out we were going to do um, Slither, when I, when I put that in the chat, what was your immediate reaction? <laughs> I was excited because I was like, oh, I haven't seen the movie in a long time. I remember it being really freaking weird. 
but it'll, it'll, it'll be good to watch it again. And there were so many, like, especially nowadays, being the person that I am really diving into films and, and TV series and stuff and really looking at actors and producers and directors and musical credits and all that stuff. Um, it was really cool to go back to a movie that I had seen way before, but didn't realize how much I liked every single actor in it, you know, and, and, and the director and, and all that stuff. It's, it's like, it's like kind of reminiscing with a new lens, I guess if that makes sense. And to your point and Cameron's point, there is a thing that most people do with Firefly that I think I just didn't do, which is after Firefly, they go, okay, I need to watch everything Nathan Fillion's ever been in. I need to watch everything that Alan Tudyk has ever been in. I need to watch everything that Jewel State has ever been in, you know, right on down the line, which is totally understandable, fair, and, you know, uh, the kind of thing that I would normally probably do. I just, for whatever reason, didn't think to do it with Firefly. I think for me, it was because I knew there's never going to be a project that has all of them or a project that has enough of them to feel like that chemistry to me. Now, Destiny got really close because that <laughs> had Nathan Fillion and Gina Torres, and they were playing basically the same roles, but like far in the future and like with some space magic. Uh, but I think anybody that has done that probably really is grateful for having done so because there are not a lot of movies, I don't think, where Nathan Fillion is the lead, right? Like he's not always the main guy. Um, mm-hmm. James Gunn movies in particular, Nathan Fillion has been in all of them. I just found mm-hmm. out when The Suicide Squad came out. In I, some that was when I found fashion. that out. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. has uh, Rooker, correct? Uh, uh, I think so. All of them. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that's cool. Like, I, if you guys, if I got hugely famous, I would put at least two of the three of you in my movies. Like, that's, that's a guarantee. <laughs> now we got to fight it out to figure out who it is. So I, I, you know, well, and like, I love that he puts his brother in the movies, right? Like, was his brother I, in this one? That was the thing, is I was, I believe I. I thought for sure he was in the the Grant pile at the end. Yeah, it looked just like the him. Grant it was not pile. him, huh? So maybe that was the James Gunn character then, because distorted James right. Gunn kind of looks like Sean Gunn, not in a mean way. Yeah, there you go. If you squ- right, if you like, squint your eyes. Yeah, but like, yeah, I mean, they're related. They're not the same guy. <laughs> but yeah, so when I found it out, I was like, okay, that's cool. So yeah, I I went into this kind of giddily excited um the to ricky d's point though i would really oh really quickly we have to say hi to roy the intrepid dm in the chat hello roy thank you for being with us this evening uh go listen to the intrepid dm journeys wherever you listen to podcasts it is the newest member of the twist my arm podcast network and let me tell you even if you don't play tabletop rpgs it is soothing to listen to dude (laughs) i could listen to roy talk all night long i'm not even kidding now I, I, we, so I went into this movie like pretty, pretty excited, right? Like I, I, but I didn't know how to feel for the first 30 or 40 minutes because Rooker's performance in this movie, I'm going to get it out of the way, is really good. I really, really liked mm. it. Um, but I didn't know, like, okay, is he a totally bad guy? Like, is he irredeemable or like, am I going to see something in this movie I don't want to see? Cause like, if he does something, graphically unpleasant to elizabeth beggs i i'm i'm you know just i'm i actually think he had a really really huge redeeming moment in this movie 
I think he like him as but as the like right. the first character. I think he did. I think he has a like, couple. Had a good moment because at first I was like, oh, this guy's a jerk, and then there's that one scene where I'm like, okay, all right, I can respect him now. <laughs> so that's literally that's yeah. my point. Is until that he's point, an asshole, but he's, he's not a fucking yeah. asshole. Right, but there was a up until a certain point, you're going, where where's his line? But then when they show you where his line is, you go. Okay, I'm gonna have a lot of fun with this movie, you guys. Like, this is gonna be great. Hey, sure, kill Brenda. I don't care about Brenda at all. Do do whatever you want to Brenda. You know what? Do whatever you want to the whole town. Honestly, as long as Elizabeth Banks is okay, I'm gonna be okay for this movie. And the movie goes, all right, cool. Let's just yeah. do that because I think we're on the same page. And I that's that's where I ended up because it was like, I Elizabeth Banks, you guys. I don't know what it is about her. There's something in her smile and her eyes that is like you to to consider that somebody would be mean to her i mean i know she's an actress right like so the the characters that i know her as like the light bubbly you know fun all the time person maybe that's not who she really is i'm willing to believe that it is and even if it's not it makes it difficult to see bad things happen to that person on screen for me i believe she was the whole reason i watched this movie in the first place like a long time ago i was like oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Oh, Callie, it is indeed a very happy, sudden but inevitable day. Roy, happy, sudden but inevitable day. Guys, thank you. The thing now? I I love it. Go ahead, Ricky. Sorry. If you like Elizabeth Banks so much, go watch 30 Rock with your wife. Can I not watch it alone? (laughs) I think it'd be better if you watched it with her. No, I'll watch. She has a really great role. She's a fairly prominent character for a couple seasons. Again, I guess I have a reputation. I don't know. Maybe it's because I made a podcast where I make people watch my favorite things, but I have a reputation <laughs> as somebody who resists the things that other people tell me to watch. And it's really not that it's just that I have, I have this much free time and I spend most of it, you know, making shows and hanging out with other people that make shows so I can avoid your wife. Shows. And it's, oh my God. it's not, no, like she's been on my show. <laughs> like she watches all the stuff that I watch. Like she watched this movie in particular. And that's how I gauged part of it was, you know, how comfortable am I with this? Because, and then, like I said, at a, at a certain point, you go, cool. Like I said, kill the entire town. I'm fine with it. I'm actually ready to watch it happen. But I I need to know. <laughs> I just needed to know that there was going to be some part of this movie that I could feel safe about. And Well, I think that's the strength of the movie is that it shows you these incredibly uncomfortable things. But then in its own way, it lets you know, it's okay. You're in safe hands. Yeah. It's okay to enjoy this. And And... That makes it not a guilty pleasure, but like maybe a an indulgence I would class and tone. Yeah, it's a it's an indulgence I wouldn't normally find myself enjoying. But you're right, tone is specifically what is making it work for me. I think that's I think that's exactly it, and you nailed it. So, all right, does anybody have anything else to say before we give a synopsis? Yes, I think Cameron should give his own personal synopsis of this movie on a whim. Oh. You mean a uh, mm-hmm. ooh, good, good, good a uh, a gore filled laugh fest that is uh, bursting at the seams with just as many f bombs as slithery slugs. I can dig that. Uh, or perhaps the redeeming tale of a woman who truly loves her husband but finds that they are just incompatible and must put that relationship behind her and move forward in life. Plus slugs. It's been, <laughs> with slugs and and tentacles. Oh, that's good. Now, that's good. <laughs> this 
So this could have been called Tentacles, the movie. And if they sure. if somebody makes a musical of this, I think they should call it Tentacles with an exclamation point. Um, <laughs> that may already exist. I'm not sure. If I stole that idea subconsciously, <laughs> somebody please let me know. Callie in the chat says, we still went and watched an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine right after finishing this, j- though, just in case. Uh, we were <laughs> we were a little bit traumatized, but then we relaxed uh, partway through. She forced her husband to watch it with her. And they were expecting to be traumatized, so that's probably why they were a little tensed up. Uh, yeah, so the the synopsis basically is a meteor with an alien on it lands in, I think, South Carolina, and uh, Nathan Fillion spends the whole time training to be Captain Mal Reynolds on Earth and saving a town from a combination of the Venom symbiote and a wave of zombies and... Um, you know, just all manner of unpleasant, stereotypical horror and Southern stereotypes <laughs> or characters, <laughs> characters sure. based on those things. I was trying to find a, I was trying to find a good drink for worms today. So I was like looking mm-hmm. at all the tequilas or I was looking at all the mm-hmm. wines to see if there was some sort of. You know, there's only one drink that you could drink there is. while there you're really talking is. about. And it's, and it's a, uh, it's a Jack and Coke. Ask me what kind of Coke. <laughs> What kind of Coke you got in your Jack and Coke, Josh? Mr. Pip. <laughs> Why? Uh. Because that's what this movie's all about. That's that's like the whole. Because he of this asked movie. your secretary to pack it, Jesse. Yeah, it's the only yeah, kind Pam. of Coke he likes. Give me some Mr. Pip, Pam. <laughs> okay, yeah, Pam uh, uh, Beasley, whose name is Jenna, Jenna Fisher, Fisher in real life, right? A mm-hmm. uh, lot of range. She once played a secretary on TV, but in this movie, she... Oh, wait, no, yeah, she plays a secretary secretary. in this as well. Do you know why she's in this movie? Um, uh, uh, Does she know James Gunn? Is she... She was married to him at the time. Are you serious? Really cool. That's serious. And she was actually just supposed to have a small cameo, but the person who was originally playing the secretary uh, got another film offer and and left the project, so they uh, put her in. Were they going to play a secretary as well? Or uh, yeah, it's a male movie? secretary, so they had to rewrite it. Oh, in the other movie, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. But this, they filmed this, and then The Office came out, and so between them filming the movie and Slither coming out, Jenna Fisher suddenly became the most famous person in the cast. Oh, so the original actor, I guess you could say, brought a Thomas knife to a James Gunn fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, okay. You're also you're also saying that you're saying that she's not. Married because anymore to James Gunn? She married, not anymore, she married no. at all? Because uh, no. yes, to John Krasinski, <laughs> ah, and they are no. I'm she's not. That's I'm not. kidding. He's married to Emily. John Blunt. Krasinski's married Josh. to Emily Blunt. I'm looking yeah. it up. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, who the he's who's married Lee to Lee Emily Kirk? Blunt? Who's Lee Kirk? That's apparently who she's married to now. Ugh, whatever. Just change your name and it counts, right, Josh? Yeah. Same. Legally change your name to Lee Kirk. <laughs> same. Same difference. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Uh, if I may start at the very beginning of this film, I would uh, love to take credit for this, but sadly I can't. It was an accident, and Highlander did kind of mess it up there. That one's for you, Ricky D. Uh, but I love how your guys' show has taken place 99% in space, right? You guys have spent the most of your podcasting time in space, and here we open in space on this asteroid that brings us to Earth for this very terrestrial-based film. And uh, 100% uh, intended on my part, absolutely. Yeah. You had to keep the space like uh, aesthetic, right? You had to keep the sci-fi aesthetic. That's right. This. So that, That's that right. Makes- well, this actually fits on an even deeper level because the second Highlander movie, which does not exist, 
the very beginning of that movie actually explains that Connor and Sean Connery's character, who are both um, totally mm. still alive, I guess, uh, are actually aliens from the planet yes. Zeist. And that the whole first movie was like a mis, you know, understanding of the rules of the game. Yikes. And so, yeah, so like it gets so much worse. Point being, it ignored the canon of the first movie and got even worse. This is kind of the opposite thing where Cameron's ignoring the canon of us coming to Earth to watch Highlander. And he's bringing <laughs> us to Earth and reestablishing uh, Slither as our first terrestrial movie ever on Sudden But there Inevitable. So. That's how we do that. That's what we call an award-winning podcast, my friends. I got to say, I I was excited for this. Okay, so I was resistant because I knew it was going to be horror. I didn't know how gory it would be, and that was part of it. I was resistant until, honestly, the egg cracked open, and then the title popped out, and that paired with the music. I was like, oh, I'm here for this. Like, this is going to be... Yeah. It'll be fine. Like even if everybody dies in this, it will be because that's it's that kind of movie, right? Like it's it's a like you said, man, it's an exercise in tone. And mm -hmm. they I, I don't know what instrument they're playing. I'm sure that you've got a, a better description of it than I do, but they are playing it masterfully. And I, I think so, that that's what I mean drew me into this movie again. Like I I remember liking this movie and being like, Yeah, that was cool. That was a fun little, you know, thriller or whatever. But now after watching multiple James Gunn movies and falling in love with his movies and then, you know, watching Firefly and falling in love with Nathan Fillion and like just all Michael Rooker from Walking Dead, because that's where I know him from first, you know, was mm -hmm. Walking Dead and like seeing all those characters. And then that first opening shot when the music starts, I was like, oh, yeah, this, this is a gun movie and this is going to be great. And I'm, I'm going to like it way more than I liked it back then. Because now I'm familiar with all of these people, and I, you know, I was right. Well, and I was, I was familiar with all of the people, except to Cameron's point, James Gunn. Like I, all I had seen was Elizabeth Guardians of the Galaxy, her, Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Well, I mean, yeah, but you know, just because she's in it doesn't mean it's going to be a an, an Elizabeth Banks style movie, right? right? My like, fourteen year old self, um, it's not pitch perfect, <laughs> right? Exactly. So I'm, I was like. I guess I just expect like fun music and like uh like a jaunty attitude toward, you know, <laughs> irreverent comedy and I'm, you know, I assume that's what I'm getting and then when that egg cracks open and Slither pops out and the music is like dan 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 I was like, okay, yes, that's this is what I was expecting. This is what I'm getting. I'm 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 here for this. I'm ready to go. Now this character, Grant Grant, Michael Rooker in general. Can we just say Michael Rooker in general? I think the thing that's oh, impressive please. about him is that he is like uncomfortable to look at in, in 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 the way that you think if you saw him in real life, he might whoop your ass, right? Like mm -hmm. if you looked at him too long in, in a grocery store, he might be like, what's your problem? And you'd be like, uh, I wasn't looking at you. You're not Michael Rooker. What do you... And then he would kick your ass, <laughs> right? Like, um. But he's probably like super. It doesn't matter. It's just that he has that look of a tough guy, and because he's such a good actor, he's able to use that to great effect. Because I'm expecting him this whole movie to, as at some point, become ruthless, right? And he really doesn't, because he he manages to humanize the least human possible character 
you know there's a pathos that they could yeah that they could put him with and he it's it's largely him i mean he is shining through just piles of cgi and prosthetic by the end of this movie uh go ahead cameron Oh, just uh, two points. I have um, lane eyes upon the man in the wild, actually. Uh, I've waited waited on him at a restaurant. Oh, that's cool. Michael Rooker. He is an incredibly sweet and nice man who really enjoys a hot chocolate. That makes me so happy. He's great. Uh, and then, yes, uh, I mean, just now that we've mentioned the two things, I think this is uh, James Gunn's style, is just a masterly firm grip on tone on being able to balance very different tones and creating characters creating horribly flawed characters that you can root for that have humanity that you want to see redeem themselves or at least that you can um uh, yeah relate with them throughout the film and i think those are the two big styles of james gunn that that travel through all his films yeah i i'm okay i i my emotions throughout the majority of this movie were like mirth, uh, happiness, um, fun. I'm enjoying myself. And then there were a couple of parts where I was like, oh, man, that's poignant in like a slightly too realistic way for a horror sci-fi about space slugs. Like, ow. Um, I, I, we do have to ask the hard-hitting questions here at Sudden But Inevitable, though. Josh, throw that up on the screen. Rona needs to know, Cameron, hot chocolate <laughs> with or without the marshmallow I believe it was without, but he was a big fan of the Mexican hot chocolates that our barista was very good at making. Those were his favorite. He remembered our barista every time he comes to Portland and asks for his specialty Mexican hot chocolate. So um, thank you for asking Rana important question. Why don't you give me one of those hot chocolates? That was pretty bad, but I, oh, I couldn't that's help. That's pretty good. Okay, well, it'll be, it'll be on the audio version, and I'll listen back to it, and I'll decide if it was good then. Um, but <laughs> Work on it. He, there's something about the setup of his character, right? The rich guy in a poor town with a wife that... I, I, one of my favorite phrases from, from popular television is he outkicked his coverage with this woman, right? Mm, mm. Uh, so everybody in town is like she's way too good looking for him she's way too good a person for him she's only with him because Probably too young yeah well and she's you know the, she's only with him because he swooped in at the right time of her life and saved her from you know a lot of difficulty or something along those lines mm-hmm. it's a it's a understandable relatable character that a lot of people in their heads go oh i know a person like that or i know a couple like that you know or there's a couple that has been talked about like that in my in my orbit that i've heard about and that's kind of the first interaction we get with Rooker's character. So it kind of puts us in that headspace, right? And then the rest of the movie is like him redeeming himself in our eyes, despite us having no other frame of reference with him. So the movie like does its own thing to you, right? Like the don't judge somebody Mm. until you see how they actually are and then you actually see how he is and you go oh that's rough man like he probably really was trying there and dang (laughs) maybe sometimes it's not enough (laughs) i mean yeah one it would have been so easy to make that a toxic relationship and just have made him like again an effing asshole from the very beginning and and yeah just she needs to get out and and they didn't and that made it a more interesting film but also, like, so we're talking about the Grant Grant character, which is who he is for the first 15 minutes of the movie. And then he turns into the alien symbiote, which is kind of, an uh, again, a, a symbiote of the alien and the Grant Grant character. And 
even that, whatever that is, also becomes, uh, uh, they find the humanity of the alien symbiote. Yeah. So I have to ask, just because we're a fan of asking relational questions, you know, based on what we've just watched here at, at Sudden But Inevitable. Um, Ricky D and then Josh. So when you guys are at a new, and you're in a new town, right? Like you're at a town you've never been in before and you are not super comfortable, you know, that feeling of like being a stranger in a strange land. And all of a sudden you get inhabited by a parasite from space. What do you think is the easiest way to stay undercover for the longest amount of time before somebody just totally figures out that you're not from there in so many ways? Let's start with Josh. (laughs) The best best way to, to stay undercover when there's an alien crawling up here, which I love that scene when the alien jumps into michael rooker and then they show the x-ray of the alien like swimming up into his brain um first of all like but then he's pretty immediately like gets like a personality change but he's still able to kind of hold it together so what would you do to hold it together go ahead i'm sorry i I just think like with him his own personal self was like battling the the borg self the collective self and like I think he was trying to save his his own humanity as much as he could by using memories of his wife, you know, throughout the movie. But honestly, like, if I'm going to get taken over by an alien, I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> like, if I'm not controlling it, stop pretending. if I'm not controlling myself and I'm being controlled by something else, what am I going to do? <laughs> like, I have no... I'm getting like a... <laughs> I'm getting like a Rick and Morty style cutaway in my head where Josh with tentacles is going up to people and killing them and going, sorry, not my fault. Parasite. Sorry. Parasite. Not my fault. Sorry. And then like slithering away. See, and that's Um, probably what I would do. (laughs) Well, see, I mean, so there was a little bit of Ricky D, correct me if I'm wrong. I had a little bit of a flashback to, um, was that Vincent D'Onofrio in Men in Black? (laughs) Who played Edgar, and he yeah. was like, he had the, he was trying to pull I, his skin I up. Yeah, tight, in my like, notes, I have Men in Black. Like, <laughs> like when's he gonna ask for the sugar water? That's what I was waiting for. Sugar water, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I, I was. Yeah, he, he was more into meat. Meat. I oh, that that scene, the first time, I was like, that was one of those moments where I went, oh, this might be the part of the movie where it becomes really uncomfortable. Like, the meat part we might about to be well because he says oh. it he said again it goes back to how good rooker is because the way he says meat the first time that you're like meat. ew yeah like but because he just says the one word he like opens that fridge and goes meat yeah. and you're just like <laughs> i don't like this like it's kind of it's just uh, i don't know yeah <laughs> i love i love that part of the movie the whole like that those 30 minutes are a little slower the build up but it it is just like the movie starts in this very creeping dread sort of way like what is happening we don't really know what's happened to him he's doing weird things he eats the dog sorry Ricky D I thought about you when that happened <laughs> and and then it, you know it's not until the midpoint of the movie which we'll get to I want to wait a little bit but then things like really jump off but I do love that it just kind of lets you like simmer with the weirdness for a while yeah and there was a very uneasy feeling for the first 30 minutes mm-hmm. for sure like i was like okay something what's gonna happen you know like and he was very i don't know like to, to jesse's point michael rooker was so good about being creepy and being like 
mm-hmm. you know, getting taken over by this worm thing. And then... Mm-hmm. Well, and they have... I uh, Okay, here's the other thing. I've not only never seen a lot of movies with Nathan Fillion as the lead... I've never mm-hmm. seen a mo- I don't know that I've ever seen a movie with Rooker as the lead in particular. Usually I see Ooh. him as a really strong um side character or like mm-hmm. a secondary main character, right? Like Yandu. Um or mm-hmm. he he had a great role in Suicide Squad, but it didn't last long. Nathan mm-hmm. Fillion lasted a little bit longer. <laughs> I Just a little. But it, it, there was like for me there was some aspect of who's the protagonist of this movie? And Oh yeah. And then I went Oh, it's Elizabeth Banks. Okay, cool. And, and I'm good with that. Um, but it was also kind 100%. of maybe like Michael Rooker's character is a protagonist. Like his character gets used as an antagonist, but I think his intentions are mostly protagonal. If they were a shape, well, th- it would be a protagon. If it were, uh, I got you. A, a subatomic particle, it would be a, a proton. Protagon. Protagon. Uh, I mean, I, I'll, I'll agree that I think his character goes through the most uh, emotional changes, uh, most the the biggest emotional ride, the biggest emotional roller coaster and character changes throughout the film. And I have the widest ranges of emotions about him of all the characters in the movie because oh, sure. every other character in the movie, you know, like I was saying, Elizabeth Banks. I'm like, you go, honey, I love you. Uh, Nathan Fillion, same thing, but a little bit more sexual. Uh, and the rest of the town don't really care about. Um... Well, I don't know. let's talk about Go Jack McCready for a second. Speaking of okay. lovable assholes, yes. where, where was your uh, journey with him? The mayor of the town, just for everyone. Wait. wait, wait oh, yes. Um, he. Uh, OK, uh, that's probably the perfect way to describe him, because he to me, I was like, OK, 80s character you know typical corporate fat cat who is into politics now and he's you know he probably is a womanizer and he's this that and the other thing but did you notice what his business was i did he is the mayor but he runs a town business which you'll only catch the second time you watch because you can see his name on the side of a building during that opening montage before we meet him is it a strip club he's got to be a car even better it is the uh auction house and funeral home joint he's taking dead people's things and auctioning them to (laughs) the highest bidder wow i anyway i just said but he's the the details but he in in an interesting (laughs) way right still loved him he's the he's one of the audience stand-in characters because he's commenting on these things in a way that's like this is how you would be you'd be like i have literally no idea what's going on my my stress is through the roof i'm I'm very agitated right now. Like, I don't want any of you to speak with me. I'm irritable. I just want a small piece of comfort in this world. Like, where's can you please? Where's my Mr. Pib? I just want a Mr. Pib right now. And then they're explaining everything. Like, this movie gives you this lore dump that's, I mean, maybe 30 seconds long and creepy as hell, but I still (laughs) loved it. But it's like, this character spends the whole movie going, why is this movie happening? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, why is this movie happening? And Nathan <laughs> Fillion spends the whole movie going, you know what? It's James Gunn. Just roll with it because we don't have time to think. We we just have time to act. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like that might be when Nathan Fillion is at his best, when he gets to play an intelligent but impulsive, overconfident character that doesn't necessarily have every tool that they need but knows what that would look like if they had those tools. 
<laughs> yeah, and plus, uh, Jack McCready is a uh, reference to Kurt Russell from The Thing, the name. So that kind of makes him a little bit lovable, too. He, uh, Kurt Russell's name from The Thing and Kurt Russell's name from Big Trouble, Big Trouble in Little, Little China, China, correct? Wasn't one of them could be. McCready and one of them Jack? Well, I think, actually, his name mm. in The Thing is rj mccready and this guy is jr mccready or one of them they're reversed right but then but in yeah, big he trouble is jack, his name is jack old right? jack burton yeah so yeah um oh we could definitely play the name the movie homage well so i was gonna film. ask ricky d from best flicks with ricky d i know that you as an as an anti-mirth person don't really um like beloved things from the 1980s but if there are were some 1980s movies that you enjoyed would you be able to pick them out because i feel like this movie has some definite 80s dna in it Uh, just like you guys were talking about with the thing uh we were kind of getting into the climax of the movie and i go okay they have to kill this thing how are they gonna kill it and my first thought was (laughs) flamethrower they're gonna have to burn it down like they did the thing and so so thing was definitely your main Yes, thing. 100%. Thing. Your your first thing wasn't Chekhov's hand grenade. <laughs> which was uh, well, I had Which actually didn't work, so it wasn't Chekhov. Yeah, as soon as he said grenade, you thought firefly because yeah, grenades <laughs> grenades are expensive. Sure would be nice to have a grenade right about now. <laughs> That's good. Well, you know, and Captain said don't eat the apples. Uh nobody listened. Um <laughs> So we this 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 movie has like to the, to the point about the 80s, right? Yes, there are some movie homages throughout. There's some neonness to this movie. Like it's real subtle, but mm-hmm. it's like the it's almost like cuz the lights aren't the coloring isn't necessary necessarily neon. It's like the attitude is mm-hmm. neon. And I see what you're saying. Yeah, it feels uh like pink and black. And and there's a lot of, you know, arcade style things happening in this. The mm-hmm. cuts to black, like the fades to black and then the, you know, what it has to be 20 minutes later. Like they they cut to black to show me yeah. 20 minutes have passed, which is like I am in love with this. And this movie is 90 minutes long. What are they doing <laughs> cutting to black? Like, okay. Well, there's two like big fades to black which happen on the act breaks. There's a couple other small ones too, but I I noticed that like, oh, this is an act break. Okay. I'll be honest, you guys, like Cameron, with you in particular, because I have been to your show and your show is about a show that's heavily structured around acts. I don't, I do not recognize act structures in movies and TV like at all. Like I just don't, I'm not watching for them. That's that's one of my favorite things to do is recognize when the ends of acts are, you know? Well, this is a good one to watch because it very clearly tells us uh, where each act is. Yeah. Is there some kind of like um, I'm not asking this to be a jerk, but is there some kind of like additional benefit to going, okay, we're done with that piece, like to knowing in your heart, like okay, this piece is over and the next piece is starting? Because for me, I think I, feel I think like for I'm me like, it's easier to remember. Sorry. Oh, okay, that makes sense. It's like easier to remember different things that happened in the different acts, you know, because it's like okay, you know, at the end of this act there was this battle or this fight or this whatever, and then kind of lead up into that i find that really interesting because i think usually in our ratings you say i liked this thing this thing this thing this thing and this thing but i did not like this thing this thing and this thing (laughs) and i go i had this amount of fun i feel this way these adjectives my feelings (laughs) my emotions and that and then i give a rating so it's interesting i think that might be 
some of the actual difference in the way that you watch things versus the way that I watch things, which is just interesting to me. Um, Cameron, it's also when I can pause for smoke breaks. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that makes good sense. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, just speaking of the uh, homages, I did like another homage. I picked up that, it, but because this was a movie full of homages, as soon as you see a pair of twins, even though we haven't gotten to the zombies or the mind control or the body snatching yet, whatever you want to call it, like you see those twins, you go, "Oh, they're going to turn evil somehow." I know. I don't know what how. I don't know what this uh, Grant 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 being is doing, the squid guy, but they're going to turn evil somehow. I love that and. The other thing I loved about this movie, I remember watching it, and I think it got to the point where you, where where Nathan Fillion sees the deer in the woods and the slugs crawling on the deer, and it hit me what he was doing that he was taking like every subgenre of horror from the '60s through the '80s and like pouring it into a big bucket and stirring it up. We've got the "It Came from Outer Space," we've got the zombie story, the body snatcher story, definitely. Uh, body horror and then here you even got a little bit of when nature attacks going on and it's just uh it's just like again that third act when everything starts like snowballing the you're like, I, this so is so funny. fun well and i have to ask because i like as a as a non-filmmaker i have n- no idea or where to start with this but like I saw when I posted this, okay, we have to talk about this. When I posted about Slither and how we were going to talk about it on Sudden But Inevitable on Twitter, uh, one Mr. James Gunn, the director of the movie, uh, retweeted the post that I made about, you know, what are your favorite lines about this movie? I had put in some some words about how I felt about the film. <laughs> and uh, so according to my analytics, that has been seen over a hundred thousand times by people. It's <laughs> like my most seen tweet ever, of course. Um, point being, people are very, very passionate about this movie. A lot of people love this movie. All he did was retweet it and hundreds of people were like, oh yeah, Slither, I love this thing. Um, mm-hmm. We are no strangers to deeply um, popular properties here at Sudden But Inevitable. We started with Firefly. But... These high passion feelings are not all positive. I immediately ran into some people that were like, oh, yeah, you should see the movie that it's a remake of called this. Or, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, it's totally just ripping off this, this and this. And I was immediately disinclined to agree with that because I was like, I really doubt Cameron would go, hey, I love this movie. Yeah, it's a huge ripoff in every way of these other movies. But check this out. And. Having just watched Space Sweepers, which is a loving mishmash of every trope from the space western genre and that I've ever seen in my life, and not having been upset with that, and similar to Cowboy Bebop in general, which, by the way, you can go check out a really cool Sudden But Inevitable bonus episode on the brand new live-action Cowboy Bebop on your favorite podcast app as soon as you like. My question, though, is, at what point does it go from homage to ripoff or stealing or you know a blatant aping of a thing rather than homage or pastiche because for me i don't know how to answer that question analytically i can answer it by saying i think it's ready player one but i can't explain why that's not okay and all the stuff i just mentioned is okay cameron can you explain it and then josh i would love to hear your thoughts I mean, that is a great question, and it's probably one of those that everyone has to answer for themselves. Um, I mean, for me, I think part of it is the tone. And again, we're coming back to tone, and I think just James Gunn can masterfully weave all these tropes and ideas that we've seen before 
and brings a tone that tells you that just that says it's a love letter. Like there was a moment in this movie where uh, Starla pulls up and sees a billboard full of missing pet posters. And I did think like, wow, that's a trope. How many horror movies have we seen that in? But there's and then the camera pulls back and the music just gets so over the top. And and it's all done in this way that makes me feel like. James Gunn isn't doing this because he feels he has to or because he feels like I, if I'm telling this type of movie, I have to have the scene. I get the impression. I get the tone that like he is someone who's grown up on these tropes and loves them and has been waiting his entire life to put those into his own movie and, and stir them all up. So, yeah, I, I mean, for me, for my money, this is like the Tarantino style of uh, remixing things he's grown up with and loved. Uh, Josh, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's. I think a ripoff is the remakes. I think the remakes that come out of all these old movies and stuff, all, they're, they're kind of the ripoffs, especially if they're not made well. You know what I mean? If they're just using like the name. Like Cowboy Bebop? Did you watch Cowboy Bebop? I'm on episode seven, and it's actually... <laughs> I, I, would, I would look at that as more of an homage to the original. But... Okay, I'm just... Uh, you said remake, so I'm just kind of... No, I'm, I'm talking like, uh, like uh, The Mummy with Tom Cruise. <laughs> That that's well, to be fair, they the took that in a very about, different like, direction. But Mummy with Tom yeah, Cruise, it, or it's still not very good. <laughs> uh, Ricky D, I'm sure if you told if you said to Josh the new Star Wars trilogy, he would say yes, exactly. That's that's <laughs> clearly that. Force Awakens was a direct ripoff of A New Hope, like through and through. I have a list of all the similarities, and I'm pretty sure it's over a hundred. All the similarities between the Force Awakens and A New Hope, it is a lot. It is a blatant ripoff. That list is probably the one that JJ used to make the movie. <laughs> so. Probably. He's like, I gotta have a bar scene. I gotta have a new droid. I gotta have some sort of mystery character. I gotta have some sort of battle. The main char- one of the main characters has to die. Like, so it's a it's like taking these the the uh, original outline of something and putting it into a new movie and changing the names. Right. So so you both seem to be agreeing that it's a it's an intention thing and it's a heart thing. Like if there's good intentions yeah. and there's heart in it and somebody mm-hmm. clearly was, you know, had a vision that they wanted executed, that's kind of, you know, as long as they're not saying I'm the first person to come up with these ideas ever, yeah. then you right. guys are you're good with them paying homage to that. So Well, I mean, okay. to be fair, someone could come in. I mean, there's bad filmmakers. I mean, yeah, that right. skill and talent plays a huge part because you could come in and say, I love all these movies. I'm going to make my own version, but you're just going to hit all the same beats again. Right. So that that's so like uh, Ryan Johnson coming out, making Knives Out. I mean, like, oh, this is my own original storyline. Uh, no, that is a blatant ripoff of Murder on the Orient Express, but I digress. Uh, well, <laughs> we're going to have that podcast on another day. <laughs> I'm them's fighting nerds. I I, I see another oh, episode really? of that coming up. I I like Knives Out. Don't get me wrong, but I I don't like the fact that it, like everyone liked to think that that was some sort of original freaking concept. But the twists were completely different, weren't they? Do you guys Do you guys remember when that one listener <laughs> got really upset at us for like some for calling Murder on the Orient Express a book? Like. <laughs> <laughs> they, they went on Twitter and they were like, I was listening to your episode and then you referred to this as a book. And so I have to just stop and like send you this 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 message. I thought it was great. I would actually Sorry, love Randy to hear Twitter. you guys again to that point. I'd love to hear you guys talk about it later because I have no frame of reference. But it leads me to a question um, for my friend Ricky D. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Um, 
do you think Highlander was just made without heart? What do you think? <laughs> what do you think it is about Highlander that just you were like, there's nothing about it that has. You guys have had this conversation. There's a whole podcast. You're right. You're Wherever right. you find your podcast, just, just go check ask. out Sudden Butt. I just had to ask. It, I think it, my main issue is that it lacked talent or creativity or i don't know i just i don't think it hit the marks that it was trying to I, guys i didn't get to be on that episode and i am doing all i can not okay. to just okay. derail this entire okay, podcast Cameron, into another i appreciate High, you Highlander being podcast. a better host than me i'm just gonna tell ricky d to go imdb clancy brown okay so all right i do really want to get to the midpoint because i want to know what you guys thought was in that shed when they opened up the door to the shed in the woods but before oh we get gosh. there there's a couple points i want to hit uh, we talked about we did we talked about Grant and uh, how he Grant Grant how he had these moments of redemption. We talked about the one where he he chooses not to cheat on on Elizabeth Banks, and so good for him. My favorite though is after he's the symbiote, and he's thinking about impregnating her, <laughs> and it's just this bizarrely, disturbingly, weirdly sweet moment when he decides. No, I won't impregnate my wife with the uh, alien slug babies. I'm going to go find the town slut, not to slut shame, but Brenda is a woman of loose morals for many reasons. I'm going to go impregnate her. Like, that was the sweet choice in that moment. And uh, that's that's just the sort of and bizarre like, emotions you feel in this movie. That's what really made me start to, like, really enjoy this movie was the, the scene where they go out into the woods and they start making out. And then he's like, oh, I... I can't do this because cheaters right. suck. They're the fucking worst people in the world and they all need to just go away. And I think that him emphasizing that he's not one of those is wonderful. And that was one of those moments in the movie where you're like, Oh man, I'm maybe this movie's going to be super uncomfortable. Cause if he cheats on her, then I hope he dies. And I don't really care about the, <laughs> his character for the rest of the, Oh, he didn't. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad about that. Well, this and then, is where he gets away with certain tropes. Like he can be certain, super tropey in other areas and then he has all these moments of really defying expectations and others yep because and when think... he when you outkick your coverage you recognize that you get to the end of that field and there's nobody there to block for you so he's like no i need to keep being married to the hottest woman in this town who asks <laughs> nothing of me except that i keep existing that's a very easy thing to do so i i just i need to keep doing that and he yeah to your point like I, I don't know if I've ever had the thought in my head before of, oh, look at that. He just lovingly retracted his tentacles. Like, <laughs> not a phrase that's ever passed through my head before, but it happened. You need in to watch movie. more tentacle porn, my friend. I suppose. It's the best. Um, <laughs> but I just. I'm spacing on what it's called. There's not Josh, a lot of. Help here. Octopussy? Oh, no, that's why a James Bond movie. No, no. Why are you guys. Why do you have. Anyways. <laughs> Anyway, when you hit a certain yes. point, Jesse, you just I you look for anything. <laughs> okay, I believe you. I haven't seen it. A... You reach the end of the internet, and you just gotta go down that alley. Ooh, God, yeah, I yeah. hope I never get to the end of the internet. I <laughs> there's not a lot of okay. Uh, I think our friend Callie in the chat has you hooked up. Do you mean hentai? I believe is it hentai? I thought that was a little more innocent. Is hentai not, or is hentai the straight tentacle porn? I have. Well, you know, That's, that was the first word that came to my mind, but I didn't want to uh, insult the true anime fans. We out there. here at Sudden But Inevitable are uh, not discriminatory. If you out there listening in podcast land or watching would like to Google either of those phrases, I'm sure they would get you what you need. I don't Again, want to. I'm shame not slut shaming exactly. or kink shaming. I'm not here to do that. I would never do that. Oh, 
um, Callie's mother, who is also in our chat, Rona, says, lovingly retracted his tentacles. I once dated that guy. I love our live what? chat, you guys. <laughs> I gotta say, we have the best live chat in the world. This is one of my favorite parts about this podcast. But Is that yeah, from a okay. smut book? <laughs> so he, No, that's something I said like two minutes ago. Um, oh God, you were probably producing the show. <laughs> Yes. But so we <laughs> we have a lot of these moments, though, with Rooker's character where it's like, you know, we, we just need him to not be super evil. He can be and, and the evil in him pretty clearly only comes from um, the, the slug. Right. Because he's maybe yeah. a jerk, but he's not evil until he's been he's possessed. Not murder yeah. The entire town. Until he's been possessed. And then that's what he's going to do. Right. Okay. And then but then even the slug that's just that's its life cycle. That's how it reproduces. So at some point Nathan Fillion and Elizabeth Banks become the main characters of this movie and I <laughs> am totally here for that and was super Until happy. some random teenage girl becomes the which focal point for the yeah, what? short amount of time. Which yeah. I went did we meet her before that? I can I can nope. I actually not remember. I think technically <laughs> she's in the school scene where we get the gender swapped Indiana Jones introduction <gasps> okay. to Yes. Elizabeth Banks' character, I think she's in there, but I forget about it every time. I think you're a hundred percent on that, and I just it was like I wasn't, I wasn't mad. I was just like, why is this happening? Oh, because it's like a '80s horror movie. That's why. Okay, cool. We're good to well, go. It's definitely one of those things. Like on paper, it should not work. If I were reading the script, I'd be like, James Gunn, come on, man, take another pass. You've got multiple protagonists, and you're just jumping into these random characters halfway through. But somehow. It gets away with it. For a couple of seconds, it doesn't. Like, for the first, like, 40 seconds of the first minute of that, I was fully unimmersed. What's the word for that? Hmm. Desubmerged? I was dry. (laughs) I was like, why is this happening? Who is this girl? Did I miss something? Was I not paying attention? It's possible. Oh, okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's, it's, this, this makes sense. I feel like she's vaguely familiar. Also, it's an eighties movie. Eighties movies do that. And, and there's supposed to be a teenage girl in an eighties horror movie. So up to this point, now it makes sense. Now it makes good sense. I think that's why it works for me is because I mean, I remember her from the dinner table scene um, where she's introduced. She, I I mean, I go like, Oh yeah, we're coming back to this family. And you think you, at first you think, okay, here's going to be like the slasher flick moment. Here's the girl in the bash. She's going to get eaten. That's all she's here for. And so then again, it's just kind of uh, subverting those expectations. Uh, Rona says it may have been in the 80s actually come to think of it and Callie says I have so many questions mom uh, me too <laughs> but I <laughs> this this we get this where you know this 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 girl okay before we get to the girl let's talk about Nathan Fillion I love Nathan mm-hmm. Fillion mm-hmm. to death he let the Canadian come through a little strong uh, <laughs> now to be clear to be fair, they were filming in Canada. They were so. filming in Canada, and you know the Southern American accent is not that. Fun. Did you date Davy Jones? The Southern American accent, <laughs> or the the American accent in the South. I don't know the how monkey? to phrase that, oh, right. but um, the American South accent is uh, not super dissimilar from uh, the Canadian drawl in some ways. So I'm sure that right. you know Gunn just told him like, hey you know, you know, overplay it here and underplay it here. Um, but there was definitely a couple of swears where I was like, ah, oh, Nathan, that's how a Canadian says it, buddy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I love, by the way. I, I love <laughs> that. I have no problem with that. Uh, so uh, Elizabeth Banks and Curlers, 
my train of thought has been derailed. So Nathan okay. Fillion, by the way, was Malcolm Reynolds. I, I, the whole movie, I was like, is that just? He's just being <laughs> Sheriff Malcolm right now. Like, oh, I see what you're saying. I was like, Josh, yeah. we just talked about this, but what you're saying is the characters are basically <laughs> the, the yeah, same. It was the same. Like there, he had the and, same yeah. jacket and everything, like the same color <laughs> clothes, and like. Similar he said firearms. the same one-liners in this movie that he would have. Same in attitude. Firefly. Like it was same just, attitude. Was the same guy. Ooh, you guys. That was totally my first thought. I did start thinking though, like, I mean, Mal is a more complex character. Mal definitely has a darker side to him. Mal has the trauma of the war behind him. And that's when I realized who Bill Party, the sheriff, Nathan Fillion's character in this film, is. He is basically Mal if the Brown Coats had won the Battle of serenity valley and had gone on to win the war i don't think mal would have gone to space then he would have gone Ooh. and settled down some backwater planet Ooh. and become a sheriff and lived a good life I like uh, because that. i like that multiverse because that would not have been taken from him you can't take the sky from me that's why he goes to space and then that's when it hit me guys in like an alternate universe of firefly where that happened this is a sequel to an alternate universe of firefly slither is where Mal moved to a little town that became much like Earth that once was, to the point where they were manufacturing Mr. Pibb, yes. And then the Alliance, in one last desperate attempt to get them, sent an asteroid full of slugs at him. I, so, I mean, I can't, we are still in the Firefly it's universe. It's going to be my headcanon now. Right. And, and here's, here's the other thing. There's got to be he, fan fiction somewhere, right? He changed his name because he knew he had enemies from his time in the war. The thing that I immediately thought when you said that was... Oh, what if James Gunn just did a one-off Firefly movie? Oh, you know what? He could that, like, pull it off, I think. Pull it off, I think. Oh, my gosh. Dude. Dudes. Plural. Guys. Bros. I think that might... I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean okay. to get... Oh. We know James Gunn is lurking in the comments yes. section right we now know, because he did James Gunn, share our If our, you were our listening, link. dude, Let's do this. just... And we don't even... You don't have to put us in the movie, but we would love... <laughs> To go to the premiere. We'll just, I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah. No. Um, just want to go to the movie. Or just be in the credits, maybe? A character named after us? Oh, you know, J- James Gunn apparently, because in Slither, uh, he really likes to play the music from the soundtrack over the radios. So why not just have a podcast playing over the radio that they're listening to? You know what I mean? <sighs> How cool would that Roll be? that out there. In the next James Gunn movie. <laughs> a Firefly podcast? For- jerks talking about james gunn movies on the actually i wouldn't put that past him in in not in like a mean way but in like an awesome meta way yeah in a meta way (laughs) he was the science teacher in this movie right or oh my god other teacher so i don't spoiler alert he's my favorite character of this movie because he's just (laughs) such a drone (laughs) like even when even when elizabeth banks leaves him he's still talking to himself (laughs) He, he is, was puppy yeah, dog eyes the whole time, though, at her, which is understandable, I think, if we're being if we're being real. So, oh, yeah. but yeah, so so Cameron had mentioned the teenage girl who is suddenly the main character of this movie for um fifteen or twenty minutes. I we can we talk about this scene because I'm I'm a, I'm really a sucker for ah oh, that's the scene from the poster that's so cool they're <laughs> gonna do the thing in the mm-hmm. po- and roll credits I gotta I gotta tell you I'm I'm really happy that they they did not cross a specific line with a slug and a girl in a bath that could have been crossed. Oh, but I'm they just, got close. They got, they got close to that line, and they they 
they yeah. tread that line. They slithered right along that line real well. Sperm worm. And I, I appreciate how they dealt with that. Was it gross that it eventually went into her mouth? Yes. Was it cool that we got that little glimpse of it sort of taking over her brain and basically being the venom symbiote bringing like, her into the board before it got yeah before it got to earth it was like from this other terrible planet and all it did was survive and it built itself a rat king and and then <laughs> came to earth on a on a meteor and i just the the mechanic by which that takes place right the slug in the throat that she's trying to pull it out of her throat it's very uh, Giger, is it pronounced H.R. Giger's alien? I do Geiger, but how how does she pull it out? How does she, she like gets her nails in there? She like puts her nails oh. in that thing and like starts making it all like I don't know, it like hurts. Thing in there. Yeah, that's right. Chekhov's manicure, yeah. little <laughs> unicorn nails. Yes, it was. It, it just. Thank you for setting me up, Josh. <laughs> oh, twist my arm. Podcast should not be allowed to chat. Ricky, get off wow. the chat. That was... Oh, I am oh, the that producer makes more... today. <laughs> that makes way more sense to know that Ricky is doing that in the chat and not you, Josh. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so it's you know there are there's some conceit there, but it's it's you get the homage to Alien. You get this glimpse into basically the lore dump of the movie because uh, you know, let's be honest, we're all nerds. Once that happened, the scene happened. We knew the plot that she's about to tell them in the car, right? Where she goes, he's from another mm-hmm. planet. He did this, he did that. We knew all that as soon as we saw it because we're nerds and we got it. We understood. It was all told visually. But to have them restack it is perfect because then you get a character that goes, yeah, if I if I had any time to think about what's happening, I'd be super fascinated, but I don't and I'm not. <laughs> uh, yes. Which is is great. I mean, that's that's the Han Solo of a movie, right? The character that's cooler than the movie that goes, why is any of the stuff happening in this? You know, and I, I have to comment on it. That's our I loved all audience of his one-liners. The, and going back to where Cameron wanted to go in the barn, like when they're like, that character had the best lines that whole time. Like, what? What the? The mayor. What is happening? Yeah. The mayor, yeah. Oh, my God. All right, yeah, we're in the barn. So, guys, they were approaching the barn. So far, we've had some creeping weirdness in this movie. Oh, we did we, we did see, like, Thing Grant out in the fields being super gross. But what did you guys expect when they, they opened that door and there's the shot of their expressions? What were you thinking the next so, shot was going to be? I knew that there would be, that it had to be some kind of baby alien thing. Right, because that's why he picked not his wife, and mm-hmm. I I didn't know if I was expecting eggs on the ground or if I was expecting some kind of alien versus predator um, tube and webbing style stuck to a wall gross system. But I I'll be honest, I didn't expect it to be Seven. Brenda as as a balloon. Uh, and I was like, I was, I laughed and I did not expect to laugh at somebody in that kind of pain and just ultimate discomfort. Right. But the, the way it catches you off guard and the absurdity of the entire movie and the situation up to that point leads you to go, sure. Why, why well, wouldn't her she line. Be a balloon? <laughs> What's her line there? I'm so I hungry. I don't know. She's like, something's wrong with something's me. Something's wrong with me. <laughs> 
Yeah, no and I think that, like, shit. Enca- exactly. That encapsulates the whole movie is you were presented with this grotesque monstrosity of something and you don't, your brain doesn't know how to process it first. Do I laugh? Do I throw up? Do I, am I in shock and horror? Is this just like, that's not how the human body would react. So is this badly done? And then she says that line and it just lets you know, no, you laugh and you have a good time and you go <laughs> I think, with this. I think I did one of those. Over the top oh, bizarreness. Like one of those kind of, oh my God, this is crazy. And then Nathan Fillion's like, yeah, yeah, something. Uh... <laughs> well, the absurdity there is that it's also believable because, I mean, I there's this stuff universe, that I yes. have. I mean, dude, in, in a universe with humans, like there's stuff that I have ignored about myself for like months at a time where when I went and got it taken care of, you know, somebody was like, why didn't you come in months ago? And I was like, <laughs> wasn't paying attention to it. it didn't seem like a problem like oh well you know now we have to pull your you know for example i didn't get my uh wisdoms pulled when i was a kid so i have to have them scheduled to be out as an adult now and i've heard it's terrible um and they were like why didn't you do that and i was like i didn't know i was supposed to <laughs> like wasn't <laughs> thinking about it um so it, to me it's it's somewhat believable that a person would be in such denial that they're because she wasn't dead. Right. And she was at a point where she should have naturally thought to herself, I shouldn't be alive. So maybe it's well, not as bad could, as it looks. All she could think was like, I'm just so hungry. I just can't eat mm-hmm. enough. Well, but she could feel the hunger of the things too. She was like, they are hungry yeah. too. Like she could tell that they were hungry, which you know, not to pull the parent card or anything, but uh, my wife could tell when my daughter was hungry too, when she was pregnant, and there was just one of so those. So was Brenda a mu- better mother to the worms than her own baby? No, because she died. Is that what we're saying? Well, it's interesting that you <laughs> but would she say gave that. birth to the worms. She died to, so her worms could live. It's interesting Meanwhile, you would say that she was going to have an affair with the baby in the room. I would say that she is an irresponsible mother at every given opportunity. Like she, she got, she chose. She's willing to, <laughs> yes, she's uh, willing to put in the appearance, so to speak, but uh, not be featured in the band on tour. <laughs> <laughs> but she does make a mean cheese and cracker plate before uh, a tour at a fair, so you got to give her that. I do. One of my favorite low key jokes of the film. <laughs> I'm, I'll be honest, I'm a sucker for a good plate of cheese and crackers. I'm a pretty basic oh, me, me too. person. Um, but uh, <laughs> I like a nice gruyere. And a Had I been Grant at that moment, <laughs> I might have put my tentacles away and been like, yes, please, Brenda, let's have some cheese and crackers. <laughs> Man, Elizabeth Banks and curlers, you guys. All right. <laughs> so, but I mean, speaking of that scene real quick, the, the seduction of Brenda's scene, I mean, how... How great was that? The intercutting the mayor's speech with the seduction and you get the countdown to the tentacles. And then again, like what is basically a rape scene would have been horrifying, if not juxtaposed with the the hoedown going on. <laughs> well, and I mean, it kind of makes it more horrifying, but in a more palatable way. Yeah. And I'll be I'll be totally honest. I mean, I I definitely read it more as a body horror moment yeah, than as a sure. sexual assault moment um i could see it really she is being yeah violently assaulted one way or another right and she's literally being impregnated against her will i mean like there's you know it there's a there's a lot of stuff um, i think that was the most that, disturbing scene for me i think that that was the one scene where i was like okay this is a little rough i'm just gonna look down at metroid like <laughs> well and it's it it was also like 
I understood it as necessary uh, for, for the movie, right? And as as one of the trope, um, the loving trope inclusions, right? You would have that moment in a 1980s body horror movie or in a, you know, cheerleader horror movie or, you know, that kind of a thing. You'd, you'd, you'd have a moment like that. And we needed some... This 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 monster needed to be a multi-tiered threat, right? It couldn't just be Grant Grant's a big slug now, because then the answer mm-hmm. is light that guy on fire and run away. Um, but if he can also take over a town's population surreptitiously in a way that you're not 100% sure that they've all been taken over, that's a problem, right? If he can replicate at a, at a ridiculous rate... That's going to be a problem, right? So they had to give him these other tiers. They had to make him able to impregnate people. He can take over their minds, and he's got a main host, right? And that would be that would be Grant. And Grant does most of the thinking. It would appear Grant and the Beast do most of the thinking, and they share control and maybe even fight each other for control a little bit. So, uh, yeah. So we're so we're in the barn. We figure this thing out. Uh, let's say Brenda is no more. <laughs> Um, that was crazy too. The whole like ripping situation where she's like, she's like, oh my god, something's happening, and she kept like moving forward. <laughs> like, so for me in this scene, no, stop that, Brenda. Yeah, stop in this that. Scene, I couldn't stop thinking about a Willy Wonka and you're turning violet, violet, <laughs> and B seven with the gluttony guy. It was just so oh. big and horrifying. It really was. It really and was. Like, the scene was Willy Wonka in <laughs> seven. Seriously. But like when she starts the hair. Willy Wonka and the Seven Deadly Sex oh. Factory. <laughs> Title. Send it. <laughs> but she, yeah, she, when she like does the tearing thing, I mean, mm, that was that was rough. And you knew right then and there, like, oh, here we go. This is gonna be fun. This is where all these cops die. And now <laughs> Now there's a new threat to yeah. the film, yeah. And the back too. Interestingly, original, originally the uh, mayor was supposed to die there too, but uh, James Gunn realized like the rest of the movie just wasn't as funny, and so he kept him alive. And suddenly the the second half of the film came came back Does to he, life. I, he dies, right? Or did he? Oh yeah. Well, they... uh, Nathan Fillion oh, shoots him right. in the head. That's right. And he asks Duh. him to please kill yeah. me. Bam. Now to that point, really quickly, there were a couple of headshots in this movie, which is another thing you know, that you got to have in a movie that's got all the pieces of a horror movie in it. And I have seen a lot of headshots. I've seen a lot of zombie movies. I've played a lot of zombie video games. I've played a lot of shooting video games. The headshots in this were still pretty satisfying without being, like, overly gratuitous, I feel like. Except um, when the worm well slithers done. out. <laughs> well, the worm's the best part, yeah. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I'd say were... they were a little cgi for me, but the worm makes it. Right, yeah, like... The practical effects yeah. in the movie are um, not necessarily, uh, it's not like The Thing, right, where it's 90% practical effects or anything like right. that. Or <laughs> actually, The Thing might be more than that. But um, it's it's just, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I Normally, it's a thing that would turn me off, like, oh, this movie didn't need that. But I was like, eh, the movie would have that. And it makes sense because the slug attaches to the base of the brain, so they want to destroy that, and that makes sense, you know. So I totally get it. Um, mm-hmm. But we had – so then Nathan Fillion is, you know, gets this lore dump. They're driving back into town. They decide, okay, we have to go kill Grant Grant if this is going to end ever. And, you know, we get the aforementioned grenade. They go pick that up. They go back. <laughs> I – I think that here's a thing that I noticed that was distinctly James Gunn, and I'm not 100%, but it feels like it's distinctly James Gunn, 
is where he uses moments of like physical defeat as punchlines or as counterpoints to confident one-liners because it's a thing that i think happens in guardians where one character will like say something really cool they'd be like yeah we're the guardians of the galaxy and then they'll get like hit in the back and they fall down and out of frame you know and they're not cool anymore um and that happened in this movie a few points specifically with uh nathan fillion like he's like you can't fuck with me and then he goes to throw the grenade he goes yeah i can and then he gets immediately like knocked down and the grenade goes flying out of his hand so it's like there's almost this like physical irony of like no reality sucks and you're gonna get stopped here um our friend Callie in the chat says the German word for leech is Blutegel, basically blood eel. When I first saw those worm things, I was thinking this is what I would expect a Blutegel to look like if I do not know, if I did not know what it was. Um, that's creepy. You can keep those to yourself. I don't want those anywhere <laughs> near me. Uh, but Cameron, do you know what I'm talking about with this, with this like physical, like moments yeah, of I do. Like, I mean, defeat I... or something right after a punchline? I mean, in all honesty, I think that's a, that's a, a, an effect that a lot of filmmakers use. I mean, I, mean, I immediately thought of uh, Thor Ragnarok. They do that a lot as well. I mean, it's a it's the classic set up the badass and then pull the rug out from under them. Um, and, and it's something I think Nathan Fillion especially is very good at. I, I mean, I think that's something we saw a lot of in Firefly as well. Uh, but it's I, I, I agree that James Gunn is no um, stranger to that. He does not shy away from that uh, setup and delivery now i'll be honest with you i thought we're gonna lose nathan fillion um i was like he's definitely gonna die like my very first note was oh it's nathan fillion he's gonna die very soon (laughs) (laughs) that's not an that's that's the good assumption to make like everything i've seen well the movie i saw recently with him in it he died in like the first 10 or 11 minutes i think so i was you know um Callie, don't do that. This is not the show for that. Don't do that. <laughs> it is though. Um but I I figured he's doing so well. I love the character. I'm having a ton of fun with him. It, you know, the 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 right thing to do would be that he gets to end up with Elizabeth Banks. Of course the movie won't give me that. They're going to kill him. They're definitely going to kill him. He's totally going to die. Look at him. There he goes. He's dead. Oh my god, he lived. I'm so happy. I'm so See, happy. I was I was on the lived. opposite end of that. I was like the two people that are going to live in this are going to be Nathan Fillion and Elizabeth Banks. Wasn't expecting well, the teenager you... to still be there, but like, <laughs> so I, as a person uh, who has seen more horror movies than me, you probably have a better sense of you know I, final I guess, characters, I, final maybe, girls, but... survivors, that kind of a thing. I think it's that like like in that first opening scene with Fillion and the other cop, I was like, well, the side cop's gonna die and Fillion's gonna stay alive. Like that was my immediate thought. My thing, even watching it this this time, because it's been well over a decade since I've seen it uh, before <laughs> this watch, I was actually a little surprised when everyone was still dead at the end. I thought once they killed Grant Grant that the uh, the worms would come like pooping out of them or they'd puke them up or something and everyone would be back. But uh, no, it, m- it makes more sense because we've seen that the worms burrow into their brains like they would be dead and... They all dead. That <laughs> Bath Girls family, dead. Yeah. Twins, dead. Man, and Everyone, I... these two people who have grown up in this small town have ever known in their lives, D-E-A-D. Well, yeah. those poor little kids, like, I thought they were going to at least kind of make it through. I mean, how are you going to? No, I was with us. I was Man. on the same page as Cameron, where as soon as I saw those twins, I was like, oh, they're going to be evil. And that means they're going to die. So 
I thought I thought they'd be better once the worms fell out, but no, no such luck. <laughs> uh, but I am glad that they never consummated uh, uh, parties and Starla's relationship. I'm glad that we got like a half confession from Fillion, and and that's it. That's as far as their relationship went. Because wasn't much of a. Lift. They did not have time to deal with those emotions during yeah. this film. <laughs> well, that feels realistic too, right? Because right. he would want her to know, like, hey, you know, maybe two years however long from now when you're like feeling like a normal person uh hit me up you know like let's hang out like because you, you just lost your husband but like i've always held this 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 flame what did they he said something for him like you you'll hold a torch for that woman longer than so man he oh, had a great yeah, line yeah. i don't remember what it was but we'll add mm-hmm. it in post or we'll take that part out uh so we're coming up on the end of the movie. Is there is there anything specifically scene-wise or anything like that that you guys would like to talk about before we get to our segments? Ricky D, let's start with you. All right, we've been asking a lot of difficult questions today, and I think I need to ask everybody, would you commit a lifetime of intimacy with the Slither Monster if it saved every creature on Earth? Like a one-on-one romance you're saying like it's just me and the yeah, like creature you, and everybody banks. else so you're saying put ourselves in elizabeth banks shoes yep and i mean ultimately now what which which stage ricky d which stage of the slither monster he's gonna be continuous continuously evolving the more he kills well but that's oh, what i'm saying oh. so like am i just his girlfriend and i'm going around with him or is he using me to generate more spawn or is it strictly forever a me and him thing at all times uh it's you are his intimate life partner. I'm gonna say he's okay, not that... going to use you to create more slither monsters. It's just okay. your love will yeah. hold him back from killing everything. I think that uh, given enough time, that's exactly the correct noble sacrifice to make. And I think, you know, if Elizabeth Banks hadn't just been pushed into the situation uh, so wetly. Um, maybe she would have made a different choice, you know? I mean, she clearly, at the end, you could tell that she could tell that Grant was still in there. And I think that the hardest, you know, the roughest part of this was that he said, I tried not to change. And it's like, dude, it's a alien frigging parasite in your brain. Like, you've <laughs> no control. But that's the most human thing about this movie, right? Is that we have no control over that. We're going to change over time. We're going to become different people. And that might affect the people in our lives. That might make them feel differently about us. And we could tell them, hey, I tried not to change, but that just happens, right, over time. Um, nope, I'm taking a grenade went, in that room with me. Nope. They were, <laughs> right. And there's, and there's a... Were you expecting this deep of an answer, Ricky D, from that question? <laughs> I'm not that surprised. You, you spent a lot of time podcasting with Jesse. I mean... <laughs> Well, I feel like it's kind of the point the movie is trying to make with that, right? Is yes. is like she the dedication here, the one-on-one dedication is part of this story to Ricky D's point. So I think it I think that makes it a good question. Well, she's not even trying to save the rest of the world. Like that scene in the field, she's just trying to save Grant. Yeah. She thinks there's exactly. she can save him. She's and that's that's the thing is that she isn't like, "Ooh, he's gross." Like now that he's an alien, I'm no longer dedicated to him like she she goes the extra mile you know like there there's the line thank you Callie I'm surprised you're able to lift a mug you've been carrying that torch for so long okay that mug by the way isn't the is is this the movie that has the mug that says I drink coffee (laughs) like (laughs) I don't know I believe the first person that he talks to is drinking a mug 
Maybe it's a guy at the police station and the mug says, I drink coffee on the front of it. I I think good. that was in this movie. I've seen a lot of movies and TV over the course of the last three or four days. <laughs> um, <laughs> Slither twice, but I, I believe that's what this was in. Editor's note, nope, that's actually from the first episode of the 2021 live-action Cowboy Bebop on Netflix. I'll have to look that up. Wow, I feel bad. Anyways, <laughs> uh, Callie D answered your question, Ricky D. She said, nope, everyone can die. That's... <laughs> fine no you just uh, you just <laughs> <sighs> no way you just gain his trust for a minute and then you partner with nathan fillion and you get some sort of some sort of bomb to put in there in a teddy bear and you just call it good i see what you did there. well i'm gonna come between you guys <laughs> i i think this is a numbers game because ricky d you said that so by by having this intimate relationship with him i'm He's not going to kill all life, but you also say he's going to keep I, killing you know, and growing. So what are the numbers here? I think here? I misspoke. I was kind of I was taking things. <laughs> I was trying to answer before I was thinking. If you do commit to this lifetime of intimacy, his evolution is going to stop. I guess because I'm saying he is going to stop killing. And okay, yeah, that's what I. So wanna Ricky say. is saying if he's a pile of manslug, yep. like he's at the point he's at the point where they found him in the field. Yep. And at that point, you can say, hey, mm. just hang out with me. Let's be cool. And by doing so, save the human race. Nope. Are you down? Baby, I saw how articulated those tentacles were. I'm there. I'm down. Did you, know, you see how long his mouth was? We're going to form an OnlyFans page, and we're going to make some bank. Look, I'm all Only for guns. tentacle porn, but like that is a little much for me. The The, the watching it is on a screen. in in. Right. I would, Josh, I would the expression home. on your face just then. Yeah. Josh's plan. I'd like to point if you out, could bottle that expression. I want to point out the genuine nature that Josh just expressed. <laughs> I would rather not be grossed out than save the human race. Just but, but throwing that out Josh's there. Josh's plan does still involve some form of sacrifice, and it does involve saving the human race. It's not yeah. quite the answer I was looking for, but he it's does. Fair. He's still revolving around that area. You know, just running in there with the grenade and being like, he, I like you still. Kind so of. you're saying <laughs> he answered slightly outside the spirit of the question, but you'll allow it is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. I thank, can dig that. <laughs> I can dig that. Uh, is there is there any other is there anything else you guys feel like we have to discuss before we get to our wonderful weekly segments? Uh, Josh. The deer fight. <laughs> the deer fight was one of my favorite scenes and then at the end when nathan fillion says why don't you uh tell her how i saved you from that deer is <laughs> phenomenal <laughs> that's good I love that. that's good that deer fight also like because you could tell the deer's not the greatest prop oh, but it's no. nathan fillion a hundred percent who sells that scene it was one of the worst props <laughs> he kicks the shit out of himself and makes it look like it's that deer doing there it. Were, I was just going to say there were notes of um, liar, liar, a la uh, law firm bathroom to that performance. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm kicking my own head. The, the physical comedy on Nathan Fillion is is not something that you get to see con uh, all the time, but the way the note that I made regarding that specifically was this man falls to his knees in defeat in a more evocative way than 90% of actors I've ever seen in my life. With a possible exception of, anyone? 
Tom Hiddleston. Bruce Campbell? Oh, Bruce oh. Campbell's pretty good, too. Uh, but Tom, Tom Hiddleston really is see Bruce Campbell and Nathan constantly hitting his knees really? or getting back up and flipping his hair. But Oh, true. Uh, sure. Callie says... Um, I do want to get to Callie's point, but first, let's start with the first part. I mean, I do just... We don't need to go into depth, but we need to acknowledge the squid arm. Like, that effect, speaking yeah. of good practical effects, was amazing. Very, very, very well done. Are we sure? So that was 100% prosthetic? Uh, yeah, yeah, because wow. I've seen some behind the scenes. Not when it's growing around her neck, I don't think, but when he runs out right. and the arm like smashes he's like, the he's lamp like stretch on the way Armstrong, out. Strong, all like. <laughs> his arm yes, yes. <laughs> and then to Callie's point, I do love later when they've got the board of the city and they've got little squid stickers up for where he's yes. attacked. It's a it's a great little touch. Uh, Nathan Fillion's first reaction when he sees that stretched out fist, just I'm sorry what like uh and then uh callie says when they entered the barn and they're playing rock paper scissors to see who has to go in and then the other cop cheats uh she says there is a special pit in hell for people who cheat at rock paper scissors i agree with you uh he waited until they both shot and then changed his throw so that was, that was kind of the only way you can cheat at There's that a game really fun very very dishonorable really fun rock paper scissors scene in the cowboy bebop live action netflix series uh, yeah. I'll be getting to it. We don't want to spoil Not anything for Cameron, but it. if you have seen, let's say, I don't know, the first two episodes of the Cowboy Bebop live-action Netflix series, which are called Cowboy Gospel and Venus Pop, then you should go to your favorite podcasting app and look up Sudden But Inevitable and listen to our most recent bonus episode, which covers both of those. We got a little bit early access, and we had an absolute blast. Spoiler alert. Um, Josh, is there anything else you feel like we have to hit before we get to our segment? I just got to hit that bumper. My friend Cameron, <laughs> as our wonderful guest, is there anything you would like to discuss before we get to the segments? Uh, not too much. I just want to spend a, a little bit more time back in the bathroom, <laughs> uh, in the bathtub with the bath girl. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you, you'd mentioned you love when we get to the poster scene of a movie. And, and I, yeah, I do love that about this. And I, I admit I was kind of wondering watching this film. I was like, huh, why Slither? Slither's only like part of the movie. I mean, the slugs are only like one of three parts of the life cycle. They're only in a like a quarter of the film. Uh, I guess that this is the scene that inspired the whole film. The first image James Gunn had in his mind was a girl with a worm in her mouth trying to burrow its way to her brain and pulling it out uh, with blood squirting everywhere. And then he said the title came shortly after that. So I guess that was the impetus. And maybe that's why this scene is used on all the uh, branding and everything. And it's the kind of the most classic horror movie kind of moment of the film, as we mentioned. Well, and that's why that girl became the main character. Because he started, because, that's right. where he started with the story. That makes total sense. She's also the, uh, you know, the the teenage exposition. of. The, I mean, that's why the character's there. Like, that's why she shows up, so she can start giving the exposition. Yeah. And again, that shouldn't work, but somehow it does. Like you said, it it kind of works. Um, I do just, I love the, I love that worm. I mean, <laughs> the worms don't have a lot of personality, but I feel like that one does. You know, he gets in the water and he's like, Oh shit! I'm not. I'm not near her mouth. I gotta <laughs> swim. I gotta learn to swim. This is the worm's first time just diving in, and uh, he makes it work. And then even after he gets thrown against the wall and like broken and bruised and stabbed by her manicured nails, he's still limping its way to her. It's still gonna, still gonna get in there and burrow its way in. I don't know. Okay, I love that, I love that worm. I don't know what its name That's is. That's what but I was gonna odd. say. Okay, is it this? Is it like the <laughs> kind of squeaky sound that it makes? Mm. Or is it the diminutive size? Because there's there's a couple of shots where the the squiddy worm slimy slugs are kind of cute. 
like yeah there's one or two shots where i was like oh, i mean i might have one as, guy. as a pet as long as i knew it wasn't going to get yeah. out of its cage like, it, i would keep it in a glass the, box to mess with people or something <laughs> detoothed defanged nah. <laughs> Kill it with fire. Kill all of them with fire. No, uh uh-uh. No. (laughs) Oh, you guys are crazy. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, maybe I do like horror movies, and I just didn't know. Like, but I did. But I I, the right kind. I understand that they're gross. I was mostly just saying, like, James Gunn is a master of tone, and he used the tone of a couple shots to make me feel sympathy for this alien monster. So, go ahead, Cameron. That's right. That's right. Um, speaking of sympathy for alien monsters, I do love the twins shortly after that scene where the uh, the dad... I, lo- I love whenever monsters try to bluff for some reason. Like, that's that's a thing that happens in a few horror movies. And when so the, the dad is like, uh, poison <laughs> ivy? And when the girls go, we're itchy. <sighs> One of the funniest lines of the movie. I'm not a monster. Uh, no. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. no. Uh, An alien monster? No, no. If you, if you no, say alien monster, me. that's not me. No. <laughs> I mean, it's the, the the Edgar suit, the the entire Edgar suit is why it, where that that character works so well. And Grant trying to deny um, it the whole time. That loves like, oh, I'm good. I called the doctor. We're fine. It's he's a bee sting. Like, <laughs> out of his forehead. <laughs> yes. That actually, that particular scene, Josh, I love that scene because it's like a you get an emotional pang with Elizabeth Banks when she goes, "Hey, that thing you told my husband about." And the doctor's like, "What are you talking about?" And the the, oh. the music goes like, <laughs> it's very like that tw- doctor who Twilight Zone who played the doctor. Oh, a, who was that doctor? Do I know this? Did I? I don't know, I but I'm doctor? sure you're about to tell me. No, probably not. You just hear his voice. Oh, it is Ricky D. Uh, is it Haig Sutherland? No, we were talking about him earlier. Sorry, I must have missed Sean something. What's Connery. Up? All right, Rob Zombie. That was That's Rob cool. Zombie on the phone. That's way cool. Sorry, yep. I totally missed. <laughs> just that. got a got a cameo. That's cast list cool. and he's not mentioned there. That's sorry, sorry, Ricky. That's cool though. So it was, it was a bad throw. It was a bad. Pitch. I don't. I actually don't like his movies, but I don't dislike his. This is where he got the music, idea for so. Living Dead Girl. Yeah, I, I like. That's way before this movie came out. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder though if he saw that this movie and went, "Oh, I could remake Halloween." And James Gunn was like, "No, no, that's not what I've done." And 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 in fact, <laughs> and Rob Zombie was like, "Yeah, remake Halloween." <laughs> And then just walked away. <laughs> like maybe that's what happened. No, no, Rob, Mr. Zombie. No, and I'll no. put my wife in the movie. It'll be great. Yeah. 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 Uh, try the monsters instead, Rob. Yeah. Put my wife in that too. I don't know how I feel about that one. Uh, and then my only other note, I I do just want to uh, admire the the acid effect. Uh, it's mm. is super fun. Mm. Nathan Fillion, really good at dodging it, apparently, and it's just the practical effect on the, oh, uh, yeah. the poor deputy when she gets spit on. And definitely another thing to put on the list of, oh, yes, put that in the movie, too. Of course, put that in the movie, too. Like, <laughs> Of course, there's acid venom. <laughs> yeah, the first time you see it, you're like, okay. But then, I mean, it all, it all works, right? Because it's an alien yeah. that's designed to advance and evolve at all times, you know? So it's, it's nothing outside of sci-fi that we, that we can't accept, right? It's, it's all... When I love, because you see it at first, you see it hit her neck, and you're like, oh, that's not going to be good. That's going to dissolve. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no, it's going the other way. Oh, yeah. it's, it's getting bigger. It's intuitively oh. bad. I just don't know which direction. It, it, yeah. But it is bad. I know that. Yeah. Well, I... You guys, this movie is just... Okay, 
Before we give any any big overarching statements, let's put those statements where they belong, which of course are squarely within the weekly segments that we do here at Sudden But Inevitable. The first of those weekly segments is one that you know very well, and it is called Shot of the Show. Shot of the Show, as you know, is where we share our favorite visual moments from this week's property, the moments that hit us just a little bit harder than the rest. Now, normally what I do here is I just let the guest go, and then I let somebody else go, and then I go last, and this and the other thing. But because this is a little bit different, and I've never seen this movie before, I'm going to use that in my in my determination of rotation here so first of course we are going to have cameron go because he is our guest and he's the best looking of all of us and then we're going to go to ricky d because he's never seen it then we'll go to me because i've never seen it and then we'll go to josh because he has seen it before not because i want josh to go last it's just it's it makes good logical sense as i have just explained so i want to give a disclaimer for this too because some of these shots are pretty nasty and if you haven't seen this movie and you're just watching this because I don't know you're bored or something, I think we should just, go chronologically. Just know that these are going to be oh. some pretty, pretty nasty shots. I'm willing to Cameron's point. I'm willing to go chronologically. Josh, are you able to glance at those shots and tell us? Oh, did you put the time codes on them? Because if you are, so it would be you, Ricky, me, Cameron. Okay, then let's go with mine first. I, I thanks, Cameron. Good call. You're welcome, Jesse. So mine comes from, this is from very early on in the movie. I want to say it's, oh, 1631. Perfect. Very early on in the movie. This is after Rooker's character, Grant, has said meat and then proceeded to go to the supermarket and pick up as much meat as he can afford with however much money he happens to have in his pocket at the time, (laughs) loaded into the back of his stereotypically very new, very clean pickup truck. Did you guys notice that? The pickup truck Mm -hmm. is very clean. It's very new. It's uh, very stylish. There's no, um, like, you know, dense in it there's no dirt to indicate that he uses it for construction or anything like that he's just a guy with a truck if you know what i mean and it is full of just raw raw meat and the look on his face again rooker is what makes this movie because without him it's a fun romp through sci-fi tropes and horror with him it's a deeply human tale of struggling against the forces of change in a relationship. And you can actually see all of that right there on Michael Rooker's face. He doesn't want to be doing this. He didn't ask to be controlled by an alien parasite that craves raw meat by the ton. But he is, and he has to do this thing while he attempts to hold some semblance of normalcy together in his everyday life. I can't identify with being, you know, controlled by an alien parasite and wanting to consume raw meat, but I can identify with the struggle of, you know, trying to stay who I am over the course of time and through all the stress of a regular life while also maintaining some semblance of control over said life and happiness for the people in it. So in a ridiculous shot of a guy with a pile of meat in the back of his pickup truck, you get a lot. And that's kind of emblematic for the movie for me because it's it's definitely a pile of tropes and loving <laughs> letters to things that have been done before, which seems to be a running theme here at Sudden But Inevitable. 
but it is executed to Cameron's point with such panache and mastery of tone that it comes across as just a bucket of enjoyment personally for me who does that put up next i think that puts ricky d up next for a shot of the show correct correct yeah my shot is just two minutes and a few seconds later uh, <laughs> i'm at 1844 uh this is the moment uh, where he's still kind of he the the change that he's going through is still fairly early on and he's coming into the house elizabeth banks is in the shower and he's like well now that I am this crazy alien life form, I'm going to have to lay my eggs somewhere. And these creepy tentacles start coming out of his chest, and they kind of look like penises with claws on them, uh, which adds to just this creepiness. And it's it's it speaks to the uh, like their need for procreation. Uh, but it's just it's super gross. It's super creepy, and it's also at this weird redeeming point where uh grant is that his name grant grant yeah grant yep. grant uh this is also the point where he decides not to fill her full of eggs this is where he decides to allow her to keep her humanity and in a way he's also keeping a little bit of his own humanity right and that's the first indicator that we get that he has any modicum of control over what's happening to him and it's our first indicator that it's not that he's in control, but that it's definitely a struggle and that he's definitely a man of two souls now. And, and that's, that makes it an excellent, excellent pick. Josh, what do you got? I have such a joke for this because to me, it seems like Alan Tudyk made an appearance (laughs) (laughs) on the screen. Ladies and gentlemen, Alan Tudyk played the tentacles. Try and put together a podcast. You try to make it professional. You try to give good analysis. You try to, make people think about what they're seeing. Special guest star, Alan Tudyk, as the tentacles. You guys are all welcome for that. (laughs) Next up is Cameron. Josh, I think... (laughs) Oh, Josh, is your shot last? Chronologically, I think your shot is next, actually. Really quickly, Ricky D, excellent, (laughs) excellent choice, and I feel like your your shot is the perfect segue shot into Josh, Josh... this shot go ahead josh (laughs) (laughs) yeah my shot i just i was so surprised at this it was just like oh oh my god this is and i like i said i laughed and then i felt really bad for this girl and then i was like oh yeah no i don't feel bad for you at all and then i noticed her little arms getting sucked in on the side and it made me laugh even more Mm -hmm. i don't know man this was like the the funniest thing to see (laughs) and it just like uh Trying to compare it to, you know, Willy Wonka and Seven and all that stuff. I was like, no, this is this is great. This is great. When you were a kid and you had a latex glove and you blew it up with air. That's exactly you know, what this looks like. <laughs> yeah. And and like the, so the hand part would get really spherical and then there would be like these indents where the fingers would end up and then you, you would poke the fingers yeah. into the inflated yeah. glove. And, and I <laughs> kept thinking about how much fun it would be to get in this machine as an actor. <laughs> <laughs> and to be like, wait, I'm sorry, I'm doing what? Yes, sign me so, up. So I'm so. And I have a, I have a question here. This is my um, next Halloween costume, dude. <laughs> good luck. Uh, so Cameron, this this looks to be a practical effect to me. Like there's something about the seams and the weight of this effect that look practical mm-hmm. to me. There's a lot of. It's gotta be. There's a lot of well done mm-hmm. veining in this mass mm-hmm. of flesh. This is a weird episode of SBI, but <laughs> do you do you know is this a practical effect? 
I'm I'm pretty sure. I don't know a hundred percent. I do know that the actress did not have fun being inside of that. She was claustrophobic no. and uh, very much did not enjoy being inside this uh, ball with her head sticking out and not being able That's... to move. Uh, so I know at least part of it, and I'm I'm pretty sure. I if I were to guess, I'd guess that what we're looking at as a practical effect. These seams bursting open looked kind of CGI, and of course, when she explodes, it's CG. But yeah, do you I have think, yeah? Do you have time code on that one, Josh? Um, I do. My goodness, our friend Callie says there's a children's show in Germany called Bernd das Brot, which is about a depressed loaf of bread. He <laughs> has little arms sticking out at his sides too. Just made me think of that. Okay, uh, here's a cool thing. I love the Germans. Callie, do you know Gudetama, the lazy egg? who I believe is a Sanrio character. Um, he's he's uh, much like uh, uh, Hello Kitty. So he's like a little cracked egg yolk, and but he's lazy, so he doesn't want to get out of the egg yolk. And he has like a little yellow um, egg yolk butt crack. He's super cute. Um, funny thing to be personified, much like a loaf of bread. Uh, weird things that <laughs> other cultures would pick to give a face and personality to. Um, I'm sorry, Josh. Did you mention your time code for that shot? 4627. Thank you very much. If I'm not mistaken, that does lead us to Cameron's shot of the show, which is afterward. Quite perfectly. Yeah, this is very near the end when they're infiltrating Grant Grant's house. And he is uh, his body mass has taken over the whole house. It's even extending outside. And we see a man, a portly man in a red robe, disrobe and uh, just press his naked flesh into Grant where it starts combining. And he just has a look of pure orgasmic bliss on his face as he becomes one with the Grant being. And this is just the moment in the movie when I could not stop cackling <laughs> this, what the other thing this movie does so well that we haven't uh, mentioned specifically in which I think all four shots of the show in this order really illuminated is, is the gradual ramp up of weirdness. We, yes. We start with the creeping horror. Why is this guy being a truckload of meat? <laughs> and, and then we get some tentacles coming from somewhere to Brenda exploding and worms pouring out of her to zombie deer and zombie twins. And now we have reached peak slither as this man presses his naked body into Grant's grotesque <laughs> thing-like form and becomes one with the monster. And and I just, I couldn't stop laughing. Like, this is, th this is just when the tones come clashing together and exploding in, in pure cinematic joy. I have to agree with you 100% because I was like, oh, this is gross. And you really expect this guy to go, ah, no, like it hurts, right? But for him to have the exact <laughs> opposite effect or uh, uh, reaction is almost and worse. I don't really think like, I even noticed his expression until I was getting the still frame <laughs> and like really appreciated just what a great actor this random dude that they probably found in Canada is for what he for the expression on his face and doing what he is doing. Yeah, we need you for one um, rear shot, uh, full nudity, and then you're going to be enblobbed and that's it. And he crushed it, for lack of a better term. And I, this, to, to your point, like, yes, absurdity levels maxed here, right? Like, oh, this is so gross. Now, here's a little bit of inside baseball. When my friend Cameron sent me this shot as his selection for shot of the show, he said, hey, don't worry. If somebody else picked this, I have a backup shot 
just in case. And then he also immediately sent, I'm pretty sure nobody else picked this one, though. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, dude, I'm pretty sure nobody else picked that. But can you imagine I had someone, I almost, as soon as you sent it, was like, it. I wouldn't put it past that to be Ricky D's selection for shot of the show. Um, but I'm 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 glad. Uh, Callie just Googled Gudetama, and honestly, she wants her own slice of bacon to crawl under. Definitely go check out Gudetama. Again, just criminally adorable. Uh, so, you guys, I'm really glad to have the three of you gentlemen here with me for this, because this is actually, it's not that it's an entirely new segment, but it is a premiere of a new version of this segment. This segment for movies and not TV series is called No Finer One-Liner. A plus on that, by the way. Very well done. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. It it I was proud. No finer one-liner, in case you have not guessed, is where we share our favorite lines of dialogue from this week's particular film. Uh, I, I don't know that most of us wrote down chronologically where these take place, so we, we probably don't want to go in chronological order. Um, so what we'll do instead is I will go back to my normal uh, pattern of having Cameron go, and then we'll do Ricky D, then Josh, and then I will go last. So, Cameron, if you'd like to share your selection for No Finer, One Liner. Absolutely. This actually works out pretty well because my One Liner uh, follows that image that we just saw. Uh, Nathan Fillion and uh, the Bath Girl are looking on at this horrific peak slither that is happening, and Nathan Fillion says, Well, now, that is some fucked up shit. <laughs> <laughs> More deadpan than I just said. I did not do it. Nathan Fillion justice but again it's just that what am I looking at how am I supposed to react to this I don't know and then James Gunn through Nathan Fillion saying don't worry about it let me tell you and it's just just that deadpan delivery uh juxtaposed with that image so good I agree I love the choice and that has to be part of why Nathan Fillion is perfect for this movie because it does rely pretty heavily on you know one-liners you know couplets things like that to be delivered really well and it succeeds in 90% of its instances and that's not even the first time that Nathan Fillion basically gives a WTF to the camera and no. yeah. but it is definitely one of my favorites I think it might be my favorite one that's a great pick um, I believe that brings us to Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. What was your pick for no finer one-liner? Yeah, mine is real early in the movie. They're talking about uh, Elizabeth Banks' character and how she's kind of a gold digger because she's with the older rich guy in town. And Bill Party goes, or Bill Party tells the person he's talking to, hell, if he had a gina, you'd have married him too. <laughs> And then the kid that's right there, whose name in the script is Gina Kid, <laughs> says, what's a Gina? And the best part is Bill Party going, uh, it's a country, oh, you know, where Chinese people come oh. from. So people who have listened or watched To Sudden But Inevitable before know that one of my aliases is Vanilla Husband. And if you are a very dedicated Firefly fan, you may know that that name comes from a credit given in the episode where Inara meets the councilwoman. 
And there was supposed to be the councilwoman's husband in that episode who was very vanilla and his scene was cut, uh, but his credit was still in the episode as Vanilla Husband. Um, all of this, of course, to say that Ricky D from this point on may be introduced as Gina Kid. I have not <laughs> decided that yet, but it is an option. So Josh, being, my friend, being one of the three members of this show, um, I vote. I second that. So definitely, you know, <laughs> it's all about the demographics. Gonna, there it is. Right I'm there. Gonna Look, do he's already a, changed I'm it. Gonna do a lot of market research, and and we'll go from that there. That sounds wonderful. Um, Does that mean I get to be uh, labeled Doctor Zombie? We can. Do, there, like I said, there's a lot of market research that goes into how I name you guys. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, so here's a name that I've worked really hard on, Josh, from Twist My Arm. Uh, what is your selection for no finer one liner? I had like a couple. I I I had a few. Um, but I'm gonna tell you two. Oh, actually, I'm sorry, Ricky. Very well done with the two D's on kid. That is a high level <laughs> joke. <laughs> very well done. Sorry, Thank Josh. You very much. Okay, so I'm gonna yeah. say two because they're both just really quick. Um, <laughs> the first one is when. Uh, his name is uh, Tournier. He's looking at the mutated Grant, and he says, "He looks like something that fell off my dick during the war." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed out loud, well, like really, really loud at that. Well, and I'm sorry. Shouldn't something like that not be on you at any time in your life, regardless of whether or not you are in a combat situation? Like, yeah, does I, that a, I does like being that in it, the war exacerbate the likelihood of that happening? That detail of the story really just makes my imagination. I think that's. I think that's turning. kind yeah. of a one of those mm, not so like PC things about the Vietnam War. Yeah, I would say. I would say it's more of like one of those. It's realistic that people around you would include an unnecessary detail about to be the war. slightly braggadocious. <laughs> like, this is not related, but I'm going to throw it out there, too. Like, maybe that's, you know, it could be part of that, considering a lot of the characters in this movie. Yeah. Um, is it okay if I cut you off? Because if what if you you're give, right. I'm sorry. Give, what if you give my line? You and do then, it. So if so, if this isn't the line, then, then of course sure, I will yes. immediately go yes. right back to you. Yeah, okay. So... <laughs> Um, a little behind the scenes on that line, though, is it was actually cut out of uh, the final draft of the script. It was in an older draft, but that actor uh, didn't have any lines, and then but he was with them for a lot of the shooting. And James Gunn was like, "You know what? Let's give you a line. You can have this whole line that I cut awesome. out." And it became one of the biggest that's laugh awesome. lines of the film. Oh, that's cool. I'm glad that he got yeah. it. Yeah, man, this is good trivia. This is why I like having experts in the movie that were watching with us. Like it, it might behoove the show to take more suggestions and then bring the people that suggested those things on. So my first pick ever for no finer one liner is of course, from Nathan Fillion's bill party. And he says, my easygoing nature is getting sorely fucking tested. And Mm. it's like possibly the most Malcolm Reynolds line in the movie, Mm -hmm. except it has an F bomb in it, which is like, that was, I think, the inception of James Gunn's Firefly to me. Like, I was like, oh, that could happen, and it, and it would work. Um, it also is possibly the most Canadian that Nathan sounds in this movie. Like, he puts an O in that word instead of a U, which is fine. Um, but it's it's also absurd in the way that this movie itself is absurd, which is like, 
it asks you to just accept a lot. And uh, to that point, I'm willing to do it because it's toned perfectly, much as this line is. And this character has been asked to accept a lot up to this point. And his tone is, you know, okay, look, I have accepted a lot. And I feel like I haven't really even complained that much considering the sci-fi horror happening around (laughs) me. But this is getting pretty, you get just a couple of more of these and I'm putting a stop to it. Like, uh, he's this close to being fed up. And it's just, it's so wonderfully Nathan Fillion. And I think emblematic of James Gunn's mastery of tone. So that's why it's my pick. Josh, was that your second line? Was it a good thing that it I... It was not. It was not. My other one was, okay. was from the mayor. <laughs> when he says, if I weren't about to shit my pants right now, I'd be fucking fascinated. <laughs> good line, good delivery. And that's another one so that was like... Too. like That was your audience stand-in line, right? Like, that's how you would feel in that moment. You'd be like, that's ex- I would love to exactly, know, but it doesn't matter. That's exactly what I thought, too. Because I was like, that's probably something I would say. In that exact moment, I would I would a be screaming about Mr. Pib and b not giving a shit about anything because I just want to live. <laughs> Makes good sense. Now, gentlemen, come with me if you will on a bit of a journey. We have a brand new segment here at Sudden But Inevitable that we are debuting for the first time ever, and this was born of the fact that. The movie version of Sudden But Inevitable is just a little bit different than the TV show version of Sudden But Inevitable. And, you know, when somebody makes a movie, there's there's a lot of um, hands involved. There's a lot of people that have to work together to make that movie. But much like a podcast or, you know, a Firefly class freighter, it has to have a captain. There has to be a guiding force. There has to be like a main protagonist a thing that's in charge a thing that you want a thing that you root for somebody that you root for and we have a a very cool little segment here that we are just about to debut and it is called captain of the movie Captain of the movie, as I was saying, is it's not necessarily who's the main character or who is, you know, the physical captain. A lot of movies actually have captains, but it's who's the character that you think shone through who, you know, they just showed up and the movie is just about them for you now, even if, you know, they weren't the main character, that sort of a thing. Um, So to help us bring in this brand new segment, the captain of the movie, I would like to invite our guest Cameron to share his pick with us first. Cameron, who's the captain of this movie? Who I mean, this movie has a lot of uh, options vying for that captaincy. Um, I mean, as we said, it doesn't even have a single protagonist. How am I going to pick one captaincy? Uh, I think, I mean, I, I'm just going for the biggest, loudest, brightest, shiny star. I got to go with the mayor, the thing homage man himself. Greg Henry is the actor's name. Greg Henry as the mayor, Jack McCready. Uh, as we've said, he is the stand-in for the audience in such a beautifully vulgar over the top way. And I just, any character that can be that big of an asshole, but that I still just want in every possible scene, you know, is doing something right. I I mean, the Mr. Pip thing, as as we've said, like, I kind of feel bad for the guy. Like he's acting like a child. Yes, but he's gone through some shit. He just wants his comfort soda, soda, not Coke. We'll save that for another debate, but 
yeah, I mean, yeah, Greg Henry, he's great. I love that he has continued to work with Gunn, even if in smaller roles. I always love to see him. I love it. I love the answer. And yeah, I agree. The guy was like, I, I don't know that I've ever felt so bad for such a jerk before. That's that's an excellent, excellent point to make. Um, Gina Kid, do you have a selection for who is the captain of this movie? Yeah, uh, it's kind of a boring answer, but I'm having a hard time picking anybody but Bill Party. He's yeah. he's kind of in charge in most of the situations. He's there in most of the scenes that aren't specifically about uh, Rooker's character. Uh, it's kind of a cop-out answer, but I'm just going to say Bill Party. He's definitely the captain in my eyes. Cop out. I see what you did there. <laughs> nice. I mean, and he's, we we know him as our captain. I mean, he's yeah. one of the many captains of our hearts. He's one of the first captains in our hearts. So it's, it, you're, you're right. It's maybe the chalky answer, but it's, I mean, it's an answer that needs to be considered and it's an answer that needs to be given. And you can argue that because he doesn't start the movie as the main character, it's a great pick for captain because, you know, to captain something is really to just swing your leg over that chair backwards, sit down and start handing out orders. Um, so I, I, I mean, it's hard to argue with that pick, but I think we'll do the consensus or we'll try and reach maybe consensus near the end of this. Um, but to do that, we're going to have to get Josh's input. Josh, who's the captain of this movie? I, I you know, I would have picked between either one of them. Like, Either the mayor or Mal, uh, Bill. Um, I'm probably gonna have to go with Bill because I just I really liked him. I loved his his delivery. You know, I, and Nathan Fillion. You can't go wrong with that guy. Like I, I'm pretty sure that. And he lived. You got to pick a character that lived. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he did. Well, it's interesting that you would say that because my pick for captain of this movie is actually Starla. Well, she lived. She <laughs> she lived and she shows agency throughout. She's not an idiot. She's very smart. She's putting all the pieces together. She uh, knows when to act as if, you know, she's good at maintaining when she needs to. Um, she's a personable enough person to have other people like her enough to want to save her. You know, anybody that can inspire action in other people, that's that's one of the qualities you want in a captain. Um, she is is making her own choices for most of this movie, um, despite us having been told at the start of it that she didn't, right? That she's like, no, she's just a dumb girl, and she married this guy because he was rich, and he stepped in right at the right moment to save her, and this, that, and the other thing. And then we're just proceeded to be shown that Everything else is actually true. The opposite of all that stuff is true. She's smart. She knows what she's doing. She didn't do that for any reason other than she actually does care about Grant. Yes, the other stuff is true, but she cares about him. And you can see that. And you can see it in the performance. And, you know, it was on the page as well. So I would say Starla is definitely one of the captains of this movie. And I'm sorry. I love the name Starla. That is adorable beyond reason. So... Especially when you chant it, Starla, Starla, Starla. Well, and I immediately thought of um, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad that had Star-O. <laughs> hey uh, Kind of a zombie thing going on there. Um, so I don't know, Cameron, what do you think? Do we have to do we have to give the consensus to Bill Party? Because we have two people in it and it is the chalky answer. We could what we could do is we could say Bill Party is the answer um, with dissent. 
<laughs> I just feel bad that Michael Rooker isn't in the running. He has to be. Anybody, I, I guess you could follow, You could pick a captain and follow them all the way Josh, through this movie. No. Pick, pick Michael Rooker, and then we can all tie. <laughs> Give us a four-way tie, Josh. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. If I was going to pick all a different right. one, I'd probably all pick right. Pam. <clears throat> So we'll go. <laughs> so we'll say the consensus pick is Bill Party, Captain of Slither. You guys, it's it's suitable that Nathan Fillion is your first captain. I feel like it's kind of poetic. It rhymes. That was for you, Josh. So, a couple of pieces of business to get to, my friends, before we get out of here for the evening and for the week. This is the second episode of Sudden but Inevitable this week. I am tired. I'll tell you guys what. First piece of business. The following states, consider yourself on notice. Arkansas, Delaware, Idaho, Kansas, Kentucky, Maine, Mississippi, Montana, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Rhode Island, South Dakota, Vermont, Wyoming. If you or someone you love lives in one of those states and likes Firefly or Cowboy Bebop or Highlander or Space Sweepers or Slither, you need to make them watch or listen to Sudden But Inevitable. Those are the only states that we are missing downloads are, from. Are we about to start a hashtag 50 state challenge? We're working on it. We're <laughs> in 35 state states. Song. We're we're in 35 <laughs> states plus DC, so that's basically 36 oh, states, and we're in 17 oh, countries plus the United Arizona, States. Arkansas, so I just California, please mute him now. Um, so I there's just like a there's a part of me that needs to see all those 50 states lit up on the map. So if you wouldn't mind, just get after your nerdy friends in those states and tell them what for. I would appreciate it, you guys. It would really mean the world to me. Now, before we get out of here, I gotta ask Cameron. Where can the good, wonderful folks here get more Cameron in their lives? Uh, yeah, if you want more um, script breakdowns mixed with uh, tentacle porn references, you can tune into the Good Ship Green Shirt. A newbie strike through the next generation is my podcast. I'm the titular Green Shirt who has never watched the next generation until now. I have now seen four seasons and some change. We're making our way through the glorious fifth season of the next generation so far, and it's been good. Uh, find us anywhere you catch your pods. Green Shirt, a newbie strike through the next generation. At Greenshirt87 is where you can find us on Twitter, which is our most active social media network. Very cool. And um, I'm so much better at that than I was the first time I came on your show, guys. If you'd like, I can cut the audio, go back, put it in the old episodes. Oh, so yeah. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just cool. use the old crappy one from before. Do no, no, it. I'm, yeah. But, That's more on brand. No, I'll take this one and put opposite. it in the old one. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. That that makes a little more but sense. But if you want, we I can like, do it the other like way, too. But I think way. by by that uh, episode, you hadn't watched all four seasons yet, so you'd be lying. <laughs> oh, no, I wasn't. That's true. And, That's true. You know, there's probably somebody on the screen that would call that edit out anyway. So <laughs> um, speaking speaking of um, Gina Kid from Best Flicks with Gina Kid, uh, if the good folks at home want more of you in their life, how can they get that? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at BestFlixRickyD. You can find me on the Twist My Arm website, TwistMyArmPodcast.com, and also on the Sudden But Inevitable podcast every Friday right here. Currently, we are every other Friday. Uh, at the Probably in January, we'll go back to every Friday. But yeah, just just be here on Friday. I so hang out in an, in an empty out. room every Friday. Oh, is that what that is? <laughs> I keep seeing this notification on my phone, and I'm just ignoring it. But thank you for explaining that. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm here. My, <laughs> that's all I needed to know. Uh, my very good and very longtime friend, Josh, from the Twist My Arm Network. Where can the good folks get more of you? Um, Honestly, you're not getting a lot of me these days. But you can find me at Twist My Arm Cast on Twitter. 
Um, I will be a part of most of other shows going going forward, but I am on a bit of a hiatus from podcasting to deal with other things happening around in the life. So um, just you could probably find me here, here every other Friday or Marvel Canon Madness every other Wednesday. Um, I will be on those shows periodically. So that's, you know, that's where I'm at. (laughs) I appreciate it, gentlemen. And of course, if you, for some reason, feel like you haven't gotten enough of me in your life, which is probably possible but not likely, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at SuddenButt or follow the show on Instagram at SuddenButInevitablePodcast or just go to twistmyarmpodcast.com slash SBI to get everything all in one place. You should also go check out my appearance on Green Shirt, a newbie's trek through the next generation. There are two episodes that feature me. You should also go check out my appearance on Never Seen Trek, which is a little bit different, and there's another one of those coming right up. You should also check out my upcoming appearance on Nerd Cannon, in which I was discussing Cowboy Bebop. Also, check out my upcoming appearance on the bebop beat podcast in which i will also be hanging out with the bebop board game podcast bebop tabletop and we're going to be talking about the new live action series episode two also go listen to the last episode of sudden but inevitable where we talk about the first two episodes of the live action cowboy bebop i think that's everything i've done in the podcasting world over the last week and a half you guys it's been busy but i have loved it and i have had an absolute blast i gotta say with this movie you guys cameron this was an excellent choice to come in with something i had never seen before that starts with creeping dread goes through a phase of teenage exposition and then just ends up with machine gunning insanity I I had an absolute blast. Thank you so much for bringing this movie with us and, you know, putting it in our collection. I got to say, man, I want to buy this movie. I would like for this movie to be on my shelf because it's really weird. And it's the kind of movie that you could go, oh, you've never seen that? You've got to see that. I think I think I'm right there with you. Last thing that we have to do before we get out of here, you guys, is to give a rating. I was kind of trying to shy away from it because we've just been very effusive the whole time but let's go ahead and do it for the sacred tradition it's something that we normally do cameron as our guest please my friend rating out of 10 what do you got oh um i guess i think i'm gonna go i'm gonna give this film eight starlas uh because it's it's a really good film <laughs> I, I mean i feel like i've said every my piece about it it's a lot of fun uh it's and and I you know I'm I'm so glad Jesse that I I was hoping you guys would be like oh it's a funny horror movie and I was th- I was hoping you'd at least catch on to there but like the fact that you dug down and you and you found and recognized and appreciated and enjoyed the love triangle and the the romantic drama between Grant and Starla uh, it's all great stuff glad it was there glad you saw it that's why I'm giving it an eight out of ten. Starless. I love it. Uh, Callie D, our friend in the chat, is 100% correct. She says, Jesse, be like, I'm everywhere. You cannot escape me. That is true. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Rate this movie out of 10, my friend. I'm going to go 7 out of 10. It was a good watch, a lot of fun. I'm not going to be diving back for it anytime soon, but it's worth 90 minutes, no question. By a mile. I kind of didn't, I didn't know it was 90 minutes until I paused toward the end to write down some quotes. And I went, 
That makes sense. And I kind of appreciate it. The last few movies that we've watched, not that I'm mad at them, but they've been like two hours plus, two and a half hours plus, which isn't bad, but it does take a lot longer to get ready for when you're writing notes because that movie could take three hours to watch. So I, I really appreciated that. My friend Josh, mm-hmm. what do you got out of 10 for this movie? I'm, uh, I'm going uh, eight starless out of 10. I'm, I'm, I'm also on the eight train. No particular reason. I just, I just, Ride I the just Ocho enjoyed with it. Me. I, I liked it when I first saw it back when it first came out and I liked it. I think even more now, um, I, I guess I would probably say when it first came out, I'd give it a six because I didn't, I was like, Oh cool. That's a fun little horror movie with, you know, some cool references. But now I'm like, all right, that's, there's some good actors that I actually recognize now that I know that, you know, I'm, I'm a little older and I, I appreciate it a little more. So we go eight. I can dig that. I like that a lot. I, you guys know me, I generally rate on emotion, and uh, did I have fun? Uh, was it, did I smile like an idiot for some portion of this movie? Uh, you know, did I enjoy talking about it with you guys? Uh, yeah, I I did. It was really, really fun, and I, you know, objectively, I have to pull it back from just, like, a perfect rating, like, like I do with a lot of stuff that we watch together, um, and I, you know, I've been discussing it with listeners and viewers, and, you know, with my aforementioned long-suffering wife, I think this movie is an eight. It's the kind of movie where you're like, it's definitely solid. I'd like to own it. I would show it to people. I would love to be there the first time people see it. No, I'm not going to be like, you have to see it because it's the best movie ever or because it will change how you watch movies or anything like that. But you do have to watch it because it's an experience. It's definitely an experience. So that means that Sudden But Inevitable gives James Gunn's Slither a 7.75 out of 10, which is not bad at all. And I think that's actually lower than it is on Rotten Tomatoes. And our friend Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D is a rankings. What's the word for it? Who are? He's, uh, he's, he's beholden <laughs> to the rankings. <laughs> you guys, I, I've got to say thank you one more time to everybody in the live chat. Thank you to Roy. Thank you to Callie. Thank you to Rona. Thank you to our friend Cameron for being here. Thank you, Ricky and Josh, for watching this movie with me and for doing a show with me. I love you guys. Thank you for being here. For the sudden but inevitable rewatch, I have been your host, Jesse. I have been Cameron, and I've watched fucking Animal Planet, Harrison. This is Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. And this is Josh claiming that Ricky is a Rotten Tomatoes giant. And remember, folks, Mr. Pibb is the only kind of Coke I like. Soda pop! Thank you for listening to the Sudden But Inevitable Rewatch. Follow us on Twitter at Sudden But. Find us on Instagram at Sudden But Inevitable Podcast. And join the show live in the chat at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast. Or to get everything all in one place, go to twistmyarmpodcast.com slash SBI. The Sudden But Inevitable Rewatch is a Twist My Arm podcast. The views and opinions expressed on this show are held solely by those speaking them.